This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Carlson, Carlson, världens bästa Carlson. Carlson, Carlson, hoj här kommer Carlson. Carlson, Carlson, ingen faktiskt, ingen annan Carlson vill jag så bra som mig. Carlson, Carlson, Carlson scores! Carlson, yes, yes, Carlson, yes, yes, yes! Världens bästa Carlson. Thank you everybody for tuning into another episode, the first preseason episode of the Keeping Carlson Fancy Hockey Podcast, the best Fancy Hockey Podcast in the world, hosted by two guys at one point old Eric Carlson in their keeper pools. It's the most exciting time of the year, right, Brian? It's our annual Schwar Goliesborg episode. I'm so excited to talk goalies with you. Elon, you told me you have butterflies in your stomach for tonight's episode, as you should. This is a big one. One of our most listened to episodes of the year. If you're new to the show, welcome. We're happy to have you. If you're not new, well, we've already said hello. We're ready for a fantastic, the best Schmorgoli's board ever tonight. Yes, I am stoked. Obviously, it's not our regular fair. Normally, like as the season progresses, we'll be able to just like dig deep on a few players every episode and talk about, oh, is this guy playing sustainably or not? But this week, obviously, we're going to have to do a little bit more breadth over depth because we're going to be talking about every single goalie in the league. That's our hope. The goalies that we think could be at least somewhat fantasy relevant in the year. Before we get into everything, a couple quick housekeeping things. First, let's mention that we are presented by DopperHockey.com. It's the best fantasy hockey website out there. If you are in a fantasy hockey league next year, which I assume you are, and you haven't yet purchased the Dauber Hockey Guide, it's like, what are you doing? You got to go get it because you're going to get projections for every player and articles, and it updates all the time as the preseason goes on. So check it out, DauberHockey.com. Housekeeping item number two we are fast approaching the Kakupful deadline. The Kakupful is the Keeping Carlson Ultimate Patron Fantasy League. It's the best fantasy hockey league you'll ever be in. I'm so excited about it. We've been getting as many patrons as we can to join. It's a patron-only league, and you're going to be competing against all of the most intense fantasy hockey players because it's the people who are supporting a fantasy hockey podcast. So definitely, if you were thinking of joining the Kakupful, the deadline is September 8th. That's this Friday. So we're going to talk about it a little bit more way through the show but i just wanted to throw that out there the draft by the way is october 1st for everyone not in tier one so if you're available on october 1st and you want to play in an amazing league with amazing people check it out and to do that just go to keepingcarlson.com slash patron for all the info we'll get to that later brian i'm ready to go i am so ready to go too so what are we waiting for let's do it okay so first of all i guess we all should right, probably... my tier one is no brian oh that's oh. like that's like 30 minutes from now <laughs> Okay, no, not that long, not that. But we do have some business to take care of. First, that I would rather sort of swish past, except we're we're very accountable here on Keeping Carlson. So this is a good time for some some about face crow eating action. 
Yeah, and Brian is referring to last year's smart goalies. But before we get to that, though, let's let's set the table, okay? okay? What is a goalie tier? What are we doing here today? And why are we doing it? So how about I'll throw out my quick answer that, Brian, you can let me know if I'm missing anything. Basically, we're coming up with tiers. So we're going to be grouping goalies together. We're going to be going, these guys are tier one. These guys are tier two. And basically what that means is we think these goalies in most standard fantasy leagues, you know, assume wins and save percentage, maybe saves. You know, we think these goalies in a group together, that means they're pretty similar in terms of you should expect them to be pretty similar in your drafts. You know, it shouldn't be that big a deal if you get a goalie in tier one, like goalie A in tier one or goalie B in tier one. They're both tier one goalies. You should be good. Why do we care about tiering? It's because it really helps you in your draft because as it's coming to your pick, you want to know if you need a goalie and let's say all the tier one guys are gone and there's like six guys in your tier two and none of them have been picked yet. Maybe you don't have to rush to pick a goalie next because you know you're going to probably have access to one of those tier two guys in your following picks. You could focus on another position like skater, like, you know, forward or defense. But if you see a tier is running out, you know you have to rush and jump on that goalie because if you don't take the next goalie, there's going to be a huge drop between him and the next available goalie so that's why we're going to break everyone into tiers yeah exactly tiering is like a way to pace your goalie drafting it's when to know it's all about knowing when to reach for a goalie and when you can just sit back because the next like five six or as you might hear tonight the next nine goalies are all of about the same value so you need to grab the first one of those nine if those are the only ones left Okay, so hopefully you guys get the gist. And by the way, you don't have to only do this for goalies. We like to do it on our show. We do our goalie-only episode. I guess theoretically we could do a left-wing episode and a center episode. It would be the same thing. I'd recommend when you're preparing for your drafts, you should tier every position so you can decide when it's your pick. Should I pick a defense? Should I pick a center? Should I pick a left-wing? But today, it's going to be all goalies all the time. We'll see if we even mention a player who's not a goalie. I guess we probably will because goalie success obviously depends on the rest of the team. Okay, one last thing, Brian. Like you said, let's eat some crow. I listened recently to last year's Schmore Goliesborg episode, and I mean, we didn't exactly get everything right. Uh, so we'll admit it. I want to look into what we did wrong and if there's any lessons we can learn from it. I'd say the first thing that we got wrong, or the most major thing, is we had the Vesna Trophy winner, Sergei Bobrovsky, all the way down in tier five. Oh my gosh. I was listening to it like, oh, I hope we say Bobrovsky soon. I hope we say Bobrovsky soon. And just time kept ticking and ticking, and he went all the way down to tier five. I guess, you know, it made sense why we did it, right? Like he had been going down and down and down every year the previous season. So not last year, but the year before he got injured. And when he came back, he really struggled. And Corpy Salo was looking like a really strong contender to steal starts from him. And, and Columbus also just didn't look like a really good team. They didn't even make the playoffs the year before. So that's why we had him so far down. So I guess my question now, Brian, is who could potentially be this year's Bobrovsky? Who's a goalie who was at one point good? and then has been struggling for a long time. And now going to this season, a lot of us see as the him being like on a bad team or like just doesn't have anything left. And he's going to totally surprise us and make us look dumb. Do you have anyone off the top of your head? I have a few. Well, I, I would love to hear yours. The true answer is if we knew that, we would all be billionaires. Or, well, I don't know if billionaires, but we would all be crushing it. Like we'd be, there'd be something special. No, we'd have a casino named after us, like Biff and Back to the Future 2. Yeah, yeah, that would be exactly what happened. And there are reasons, which I'll get into when, I, when we talk about Bobrovsky in his current tier this year. And spoiler alert, he's moved up on my list somehow. Uh, but actually I have a few, anyway, I have a few guys that I was tiering in tier four and five who I feel like could do the same thing that Bobrovsky did. And I hope they don't make me look foolish. How about like Jonathan Quick? 
I'm going to throw that out there. Not that I believe in it because I definitely didn't believe in Bobrovsky doing it, but I'm just trying to pick someone who I feel has had a, a small fall from grace and is capable at least of putting, you know, 40, 50 elite level games together. Yeah, I guess the thing is, I'm not going to say a name and then say, I think this guy's going to be the next Bobrovsky. I think the lesson we have to learn is there's probably going to be one and we're not going to see it coming. Well, no, I don't think that is the lesson to be learned here, though. Like, that was an exception. But I feel like every year, I'll bet you there's going to be, when I, we listen, when I re-listen to this episode next year, I'm going to be being like, oh, if only I said this goalie, because that was clearly the answer. Maybe someone like Corey Schneider, who's on a team we don't think is very good, and he really kind of sucked last year, and we've all moved him down all of our tiers. And I'm not saying necessarily that I think Corey Schneider should all of a sudden be back in tier two, just because I think it's possible that he could pull a Bobrovsky. But I think he's the type of guy, maybe a Lungvist, who a lot of people have given up on at this point, as he keeps on getting worse and worse. Maybe like Semi Varlamov, if you want to get really crazy like it's so crazy but last year Bobrovsky was in tier five like lower than Varlamov was and I re-listened to it so I mean we thought it was just as shocking for Bobrovsky to do what he did as I think it would be for Varlamov to do the same thing so throwing it out there who knows there could be one we don't know who it is we're going to do our best obviously as we go through our tiers to predict what's going to happen but I'm just predicting right now that I think there's going to be someone really low who's going to end up high that like has been good before or at least that's what happened with Bobrovsky last year like that's not the boldest prediction to make. And and like, I did just say it doesn't happen every year. And I still don't think it's bound to happen this year, just because it happened last year. If only we could hit the flux capacitor and figure it out somehow. I, I don't know enough about the movie to, to know oh, if that reference landed. Okay. I, uh, Jonathan I, quick though. I already regret putting his name out. Go ahead. Tell me how much you like back to the future and how how bad how bad a job I'm doing at referencing it. Well, no, the funny thing I think I wanted to say was back on our Facebook group earlier this week, I posted a meme about Star Wars and then you were like, is that a Game of Thrones? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Next kind of lesson that maybe we learned. So maybe I shouldn't be calling this lessons learned, but more like things we got wrong and then like examples of how I could see it happening again this year. Maybe it will, maybe it won't. I hope this is interesting content. I think so. A little preamble before getting to the tiers. There's no such thing as a sure thing for save percentage. I think going into last year, we all thought, again, let's talk about Corey Schneider. We all thought of any goalie, like guaranteed Corey Schneider is a lock to give you at least 920. Maybe he won't give you the wins, but if you want to focus on save percentage, go ahead, grab Corey Schneider and you're set. And then look what happened. He had like less than league average, a disaster of a year. So again, like when you go into your draft, obviously there's some goalies that we're going to be a lot more confident in, but anything could happen. Anyone could fall from grace. Maybe Carey Price. This year will be below average. I don't expect it to happen, but I didn't expect it to happen for Corey Schneider last year. So just throwing it out there as another thing that happened that we definitely did not predict. Brian, do you want me to go to my next one? Go to the next one. I'm 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 itching for the tearing. I think this no, is I think this no, no, is interesting. This, this is awesome. This is awesome. I'm sorry. Keep going. Do you have a few more actually? I have, I have two more. Okay. Someone who was abnormally good last year could fall back down and be bad. So last year's for Goldsburg, we had Ben Bishop. I think you had him in your tier two and I have him like my tier one or we debated whether he should be there because he had had an amazing season the year before. I believe he was a Vesna finalist. And if you look at Bishop's save percentages over the last few years, 924, 916, 926, and then 910 last year. So he's totally been bouncing up and down and up and down. So maybe there's a goalie this past season that did really well after not being good before. And now we're like just deciding, hey, all right, this guy's good again. Let's all draft him just for him to fall later. 
Uh, I mean, the obvious name that comes to my head is Sergei Bobrovsky. Maybe he's going to be the bishop of this year, a player who now we're like, oh, I guess he's good now. Everyone, let's draft him really quickly. And then all of a sudden he's going to fall back. Maybe a Craig Anderson also, who we had sort of given up on. And then he had a really good year last year, but who knows what's in the future. Okay, my last lesson or mistake, and Brian, I'll just let you take this one because I have no idea what we can say about it, but we had a bit of a debacle. I think the worst thing about last year's Schmorkolisborg was our analysis, or at least maybe your analysis, I'm going to say. Of it Mark- was fine. <laughs> I, I own it. Marc-Andre Fleury and Matt Murray. Brian was pretty sure, pretty sure that Marc-Andre Fleury was going to end up being the starting goalie in Pittsburgh and he would be a steal in drafts because everyone was thinking Murray was the guy since he won the Stanley Cup the previous year. Obviously that didn't happen. Fleury not only didn't win the starting job, but he had like a below average season when he did play. He was just like, pretty terrible so brian anything you've learned from this is there any example of that you could take from this for next year um i think the lesson i don't know i was first off i think i was going out like i i definitely made sure i demarcated that tears being risky although i got all of it wrong i uh, my fearless predictions were that flurry mason and hellebuck would be their team's outright starters by the end of the season and neither one achieved that. So that was pretty, like, it, it's okay to make one fearless prediction and be off. But 0 for 3 on that one is a group. So, yeah, that was a big loss. I guess the lesson is my, my hope was that Flurry would get in and do what he's done so many times, which is get into the Pittsburgh net and have a really great regular season. And then maybe Murray would work himself into a timeshare. But I did not see Flurry's collapse like imagine if he started the year the way he started the playoffs, maybe a similar trajectory would have followed as it did in the playoffs. Like he played well until they're like, well, actually things really matter now. So Matt Murray gets in the net. I think maybe the lesson is to consider the effect of internal competition, which is something that Marc-Andre Fleury hadn't faced in a long time, as well as, I mean, this is always something we talk about with age, you know, an older goalie being, uh, being someone who you have to watch for decline. But consider what teams are looking for now, and maybe they want the younger guy to succeed, although Marc-Andre Fleury really didn't offer them an option. They had to go with Matt Murray. Well, neither goalie offered them much of an option because Matt Murray was so amazing, well above average. So both he and Fleury made the choice easy for Pittsburgh. I would say like the closest example I could think of for this coming season is maybe Reimer and Luongo in Florida. Like we all recall, or at least maybe some of you do, that by the end of the season, James Reimer stole the job from Luongo before Luongo just got injured. And then Reimer was the de facto number one goalie. But even before Luongo got injured, Reimer was getting the majority of starts. So people going into this season thinking, oh, but you know, it's Luongo. I'm sure he'll just like take his rightful number one job back maybe not maybe it'll be another flurry murray situation okay brian uh that's all the table setting i'm done let's get into it so we've both worked out our tiers of how we think the goalies should be ranked and i know you did a lot more research into it than i did i sort of just thought about it and looked at their raw numbers but i saw you made some fancy spreadsheets and you referenced a lot of stats that i don't even know if i've heard of all of them so why don't you quickly explain to the listeners how you went into coming up with your goalie tiers and then finally we'll get to tier one i promise All right, so what goes into the mix when we're tiering goalies? How do we decide who deserves to get where? So there's first just stats, right? We look at these numbers, and the numbers that I have focused on in my spreadsheet, and which, by the way, some things I manually had to enter, like matchup names with other spreadsheets. I smushed a bunch together. I'll credit them all at the end. But this is just a lesson. uh, Well, maybe not a lesson, because I supported these stat sites, and they still disappeared. But if you haven't yet pledged, to uh, the Corsica campaign on Patreon 
or Mika Blake McCurdy's ineffective math, his hockey uh, hockey viz campaign, go ahead and and consider doing that just to to support the fact that these are open public sites. That's what we do. And uh, if you use them, go ahead and do it. But the things that I have cobbled together to judge goalies and tier them this year are wins, which is pretty self-explanatory. Save percentage, also pretty self-explanatory. Even strength, save percentage, uh, which uh, for those who are tuning in for one of the first times, that's a save percentage that helps stabilize things because penalty kill save percentage and power play save percentage are both pretty variable from year to year for a goalie. You can expect most goalies to regress to the league average in a normal year. And what even strength save percentage does is it takes those out of the mix because sometimes there are wide swings in variance. You'll have a goalie who had a really good or really terrible penalty kill save percentage, and that will affect their all situation save percentage too much. And it'll fool you. It'll be a smoke screen for how they really played most of the time. Because think of how many minutes a goalie spends on the penalty kill in a season and how many shots a goalie faces on the penalty kill and compare that sample with what they see at even strength. Well, yeah. Also, you don't know from year to year how many times this goalie is going to be on the penalty kill. Maybe this goalie just happened to be unlucky and was on the penalty kill more often than usual, and that affected their overall save percentage. So it does make sense to just look at five on five to sort of normalize for all the goalies, because obviously you're going to have a lot tougher time when your team is shorthanded. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's no predictability or repeatability in how many penalty kills there are for a team in a year. Although every NHL team thinks that they're personally victimized, it's there's just no way to really know, right? You don't project how many penalties a team is going to draw or take. So you can't make any big guesses about, oh, this goalie is going to spend more time on the penalty kill, or last year they were amazing on the penalty kill, next year they're going to do it again. Uh, both those statements are probably things that you shouldn't be wasting your time with, and that's why even strength save percentage is so important. It takes out some of the noise and focuses on the biggest sample we, t- we have, which is when teams are playing at five on five. I also look at the three-year versions of both all situation save percentage and even strength save percentage, just because we're not going to make any decisions based on one year of play. We're going to try and broaden our sample so that we have more confidence in the data we're using. Also, Ilan, I just wanted to, to mention, a lot of people say, well, even strength save percentage isn't a stat in my fantasy league. Like my fantasy league is all situation save percentage. And I just want to reiterate the point. Yes, it is all situation save percentage. But if you're making judgments and predictions and projections based on that all situation save percentage, you're missing a big part of the picture. And that is those hidden numbers uh, that are washed out and not counted in even strength save percentage. All right. The rest of the stats that go into the mix. Uh, We look at quality starts percentage, which is when a goalie uh, faces more than 20 shots and has a higher than league average save percentage. There's also like another way they can do it when they face less than 20. If they stop 18 of them and get the win, that also counts as a quality start. And these are really good signifiers of if you can trust a goalie in your active lineup. Like we all know that goalie who you're afraid is going to blow up your stats half the time. Even if he rewards you the other half of the time, that's still not great. Uh, So a good quality start percentage, the top's, Last year, we're above 60%. Uh, the rest of the next bit of the pack was around the, the mid-50s. That's a good quality start percentage. If a goalie can give you a quality start 55% of the time, that's a start. Uh, and then 
obviously it gets worse below that. So that's important. You have to be able to depend and rely on a guy and not be so afraid that he's just going to wreck your numbers half the time. Okay, I'm going to keep going. Are, are you still with me? Brian, I am with you. Keep going. Tell us all the more stats. Get all the nerdy stuff out of the way so that we can just talk about all the goalies. Okay, well, the reason I bring it all up now is because I'm going to refer to it later. So if you're not paying attention, you might be, well, that sounds very teacherly of me. I'll just get through the rest. There's four other statistics that I'm using to tier goalies this year. One of them is penalty kill save percentage. Now you might say, Brian, you just said to forget that stuff. It doesn't mean anything, but it does mean something in the sense that if a goalie's penalty kill save percentage was way above or way less than the average NHL penalty kill save percentage, which is about 875 in any given year, that's a clue as to whether all situation save percentage might be. If you think that a worse year than usual and you look at their penalty kill save percentage and it was down in the dumps, there's lots of reason to believe that they're going to bounce back up and vice versa. If they had an insane penalty kill save percentage and they had a better than average season, well, then you can expect regression towards the average. And of course, every other, you can work out the other iterations of that as we will when we get to the goalies. The other two stats are goals saved above average per 60 minutes and expected goals saved above average per 60 minutes, which are two different ways of trying to get at did this goalie perform better than their peers would have given the same situation. So if they face a similar difficulty of shots with similar shot distances and similar shot locations, similar situations, how would they have compared to their peers? So a positive goal saved above average for 60 minutes is, of course, a good thing. Negative, a bad thing. Those are the stats. And then there's the contextual factors, too. Okay, how about I'll say those? Yeah, you go. You, you do those. People are tired of hearing your voice. Okay, so yeah, you look at how good a goalie is in all of these stats. Then you want to just look at, obviously, we're going to see, is this guy a starting goalie or not? That's going to go into the tiers. No matter how good you think you see Saros is at the end of the day, Pekarine is still there, so we can't rank Saros too high. And then obviously there's also the related factor of how good is the team that the goalie's playing on. So Corey Schneider's always been the example, though now this year maybe we have to reassess. Maybe not, Brian will let us know. But, you know, if you're playing on a crappy team, then you're not as viable in fantasy, even if you're a really good goalie. And then, you know, you're going to look into stuff like the goalie's age and and coaching and their injury history. So we're going to look at all those things along with all these stats, and we're going to give you our tiers. Brian and I will probably disagree. In fact, last year, Brian and I did disagree on some, and I even, I'm sad when I listened to it, I realized... He, I let him convince me to change my mind on some of my tiers. And some of them I was actually right in the first ones. I think I wanted to have Cam Talbot higher. And then Brian convinced me to bring him down. So to make sure that doesn't happen again, I have this goal NHL goal light that I've purchased. And I put stickers. If everyone in the chat room can see, I put in stickers of all of my tiers for all the teams. And they're, they're stuck on here. So Brian's not going to be able to let me change my mind. And then all throughout the year, I'll be able to reference my goal light with my NHL team stickers and see how I did. Maybe, Brian, you could do the same thing. I just want everyone to know it's as ridiculous as it sounds. Like, I suggested Elon do it based on, like, projected, like, ranking in the league. But no, he wants, he's showing it. You're mis- Go on the YouTube stream if you want later. Wow. What a guy. Spoiler alert for anyone watching. You just yeah. saw Elon's goalie tears. People are doing, like, screen caps right now <laughs> trying to get the spoilers. Okay. Wait, so- hang on. I just want to take this opportunity very quickly to tell you that if you are using goals against average as a fantasy category, that is bad. You shouldn't do that. It doesn't reflect goalie talent. It reflects like if you want to have like a team defense stat and use it as a proxy, fine. But it's uh, 
doesn't not. reflect a goalie's value. So at, like anyone who's waiting for us to talk about that, you're not going to hear it. Well, I mean, I don't know. We're going to kind of reference it because in the goalie tiers, obviously, if the goalie's going to have a bad goals against average, that probably means we think the team isn't very good, which probably means we think they're not going to get a lot of wins. So there will be kind of a proxy. And also, I don't know if it's necessarily a bad fantasy category. I agree with you that it's not a good reflection of how good a goalie is. But if you want to have a fantasy category that reflects on how good you are predicting which teams will not let in many goals then that's exactly what it does. I, so. I, I would I would like it if it were separated from, like if it was another stat that you could draft teams by. <laughs> like I, I just, it doesn't like reward anyone. It's like, oh yeah, good job. You drafted Matt Murray. Uh, so you're going to get all those stats good plus goals against average because he's good at all the others. It's just like a, it's a, it's an artificial sweetener. How about right. that? Like uh, Michael just said in the chat room, we're 30 minutes in and we've tiered zero goalies. So how about we get started? To be fair, uh, Brian was late to start. So we're not 30 minutes in. We're like 25 minutes in. So, okay, let's start with tier one. Brian, how about you do your tier one? You did all the research and then I'll tell you where I disagree, if I disagree. And then we could decide if we want to, you know, come to a consensus or agree to disagree. Either way, I'm not changing my stickers. Go ahead. Who do you got in tier one? What does tier one even mean? All right, tier one means you've got an excellent goalie on an excellent team, or those two factors balance out to mean the same thing as being an excellent goalie on an excellent team. You've got goalies that you can rely on, you can depend on. These are the ones who are worth grabbing in the first round if you feel so inclined to take a goalie in the first round. And my tier one consists of three goalies. Yeah, I almost think like for an elite tier one goalie, I like to think of them as like a goalie who if that goalie's playing, I'm excited as a fantasy player. It's like, oh, sweet. Or I'm going to spoil one. Carey Price is playing tonight. Oh, this is going to be a good night for me. And I'm, I'm excited. So I think if you have a goalie like that on your team, I consider that tier one. Really, like you almost have no doubt that it's going to go well. And almost like you don't even care who the team is playing because, you know, oh, I'm probably going to get the win and I'm probably going to get a good save percentage. Yeah, they're going to help you in every category. So Three goalies in no particular order. Uh, first one, Carey Price. A merely average shorthanded save percentage last year contributed to what some would call a disappointing, quote-unquote, 9.23 on the air. But aside from that, he was amongst league leaders in essentially every single category I care about when I'm measuring past performance and thinking about future He's still your league leader in three-year even strength and all situation save percentage. And he actually has more separation between him and second place in both those categories than you'll find between any other two goalies in the league. The only possible nitpick about Carey Price that you can make is like who knows how good the Habs are going to be and how well is that ship being steered with Bergevin at the helm. And I, he did hire Claude Julien, so that's good. But who cares? what the Habs are like if Carey Price is in net. He can turn a mediocre team into division leaders. He's done it before, and I don't think the Habs are going to be any less than mediocre this year. And talking about Claude Julien, if you want to get greedy with your expectations, he has a reputation for setting his goalies up pretty well for success. Yeah, and I just feel like, you know, obviously that's going to be the thing. In fact, Chris in the chat room said Montreal will be one of the worst teams in the league this year. The thing is, even if I wanted to agree with you in terms of looking at the rest of their roster, I feel like just because they have Carey Price, they're going to win a lot of games. Like, Carey Price is going to win games for them. That's how good he is. That's how good we hope he'll be if we're drafting him high up. I actually feel like in general, I might just say this now before we get to the rest of Tier 1, I don't think I'd be drafting a Tier 1 goalie, any of them, because I feel like there's going to be a lot of parity as we go down. I've got a lot of goalies who I think could be this year 
year's Bobrovsky, you know? And like, also, I just feel like it's so hard to predict which goalie is going to really disappoint you. Who's going to be the Schneider? Who's going to let you down? So I feel like I would rather use my top pick on a sure thing skater, you know, like a Tyler Sagan or whatever, instead of taking one of these tier one goalies. But if I had to take one, especially if my league counts a bunch of rate stats, like save percentage and even goals against average, I'd be very happy to have Carey Price. Yeah, let's be clear. If you're drafting a goalie with your first pick in a draft, you should, like, I, I hope you've got a good plan if in case the goalie gets injured. There can be a lot of variability in what happens with goalies. Uh, injuries, even goalie coaches sometimes seem to affect things. And also, like Elon said, you, you might get better value out of someone else. Just pay a lot of attention to your categories. I think, Elon, you and I might both be over picking goalies in the first round. You made that mistake last year. Yeah, in one of my leagues, I picked Carey Price, actually, in the first round. And like you said, he was okay. He was really good, but maybe not first-round worthy, though we do think he could do better if he could improve that shorthanded save percentage, I think is what you said, was down. Uh, but also, maybe it's, like, uh, like overrated how bad Montreal is. Like, they're not so, so bad. Like, if you look at their – I remember thinking, like, oh, this defense and Markov didn't come back and they didn't get someone to replace him. Like, they're going to be a disaster. But if you take a look, like, they have Weber – Alsner, who's okay. I know, like, you're gonna be like, oh, they spent too much money on Alsner. He's not even that good, but he's fine. Like, Petrie's fine. Schlemko's fine. Jordy Ben is fine. I think Brandon Davidson might be fine. Like, they, they're not a whore. Like, they're not like New Jersey, I don't think, on defense. Like, I feel like they have serviceable guys. Like, it's not the it kind of thing where I'm- it doesn't matter. Carey Price is a tier one goalie, uh-huh. regardless of the team in front of him. He can win games, he can get a team to the conference finals all by himself. The Habs need to hope. Anyway, we're enough about the Habs. Next tier one goalie, Matthew Murray. Yeah, this one's a bit controversial. We I asked on Twitter yesterday who should be in tier one, and a few people were saying Matt Murray doesn't make the cut. Last year, you didn't even think he was going to be the number one goalie on Pittsburgh, as we've discussed. So <laughs> okay. now you're putting him all the way up in tier one. Yeah. Well, he's 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 the undisputed number one goalie on the defending cup champion team who looks like they can repeat? Why shouldn't they repeat their regular season success again? The win should come nicely. And Murray himself, like it's not just a team thing. He's put up the second best all situation and even strength save percentage in the last three seasons, though he gets a bit of help, of course, from having played fewer games than most other regular starters. So there hasn't been enough of a sample to regress for his numbers to regress if that's what they're going to do. We don't know that that's what they're going to do, but he has been fantastic. He's on a great team Maybe, Elon, his own talent doesn't necessitate Tier 1 on its own, but the potential for it, what we've seen so far, and the team in front of him together uh, make him someone who I think is up there with the other Tier 1 goalies. My only nitpick, if I were to nitpick with him, is that his quality start percentage wasn't elite. Only about 55% of his starts last year qualified as quality. That's still very good, but it's not up there above 60% with the other league leaders in the category. I guess that's something to watch. I'd be interesting to see like those games that weren't quality starts, were they like horrible or did they just barely miss the mark? But that's, you know, something else someone could look into. Cause I don't recall Matt Murray, like blowing up people's stats very often. Like I can't even recall many times that, that happened last year. Um, the thing is like, you say like maybe his 
skill isn't as good as the other goalies, but you know, the team that he's on in the situation make up for it. The thing is like, he could be good enough. We just don't have the sample size. Like he hasn't done anything wrong. Like he, like he has a 925 save percentage so far in his 62 games played. It's a low number of games played, but he's also not coming out of nowhere. He was really good in the minors. He was expected to be the next starting goalie on Pittsburgh. So definitely there's some buyer beware here just because of the low sample size. We might not really know how good he is or how bad he is. Maybe he's just been lucky for a short stretch, which can happen over such a small number of games. But at the same time, I feel like at this point, I'd be very comfortable having him as my top goalie. And I agree with you. He's also in my tier one. And then rounding out tier one, remember, no particular order is Braden Holtby, who was a fantasy rock again last year. This was his third straight year in the low 920s. And he actually set a career high very quietly with a 925 all situation save percentage. One thing to really like about him setting a career high at all situations is that his penalty kill save percentage was actually a fair bit below average. If he had managed an average penalty kill save percentage, his overall all situations percentage, that would have crept from the mid to the high 920s. So you could argue if he turns in the exact same season to even strength next year and an average year on the penalty kill, uh, he's already going to come out ahead. My nitpick with him is will Washington be good enough for him to tie for first in the league and wins again? He had 42 last year. Again, good enough to tie for the league lead in the category. There is talk, I mean, especially if Ovechkin isn't what he used to be and Oshi doesn't, well, Oshi won't do what he did again last season. Can he still run the show and get himself up to 42 wins? Yeah, that's another maybe controversial one. I've been seeing a lot of people saying that, okay, Holtby's out of tier one at this point. Washington's not going to be as good. They are still a well-coached team. They still have a lot of good players. Even, you know, if you take away Ovechkin and Oshi, I don't know, obviously you lose some wins there, but they still have a lot of really good star players in Kuznetsov and Backstrom and on defense with John Carlson and, and whoever, you know, I, I could just mention a bunch of players on Washington. Don't let me bore you with my knowledge of players on the Washington Capitals. But I think that you have to keep him in tier one at this point. I think he's still a really solid guy that you could be confident whenever he plays, you're going to have a good chance to get the win. Maybe we'll get surprised next year. I'm of course very nervous about goalies going into this year after last year's for goaliesborg, but I feel like we would, it would, it would be remiss to not put Braden Hopi in tier one. Brian, the chat room is cracking me up here with how you said Matthew Murray. And now they're asking that you say every player by their full name, including Cameron Talbot, Jonathan Gibson and Benjamin Bishop. I was going to to complete the sentence with his friends call him Matt, but you were just so eager to get into it. It just sounded like I wanted to call him Matthew Murray. Very Pierre Maguire-like. <laughs> I want to also point out Chris wrote, uh, the curious case of Benjamin Bishop would be a good team name. I agree. <laughs> Maybe that could be the episode title. I guess we'll probably just call it Schmorgoli's book. Okay. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I think we have one, but I'm saving that one for later. <laughs> I agree with your tier one, Brian. No disagreements. So wow. there we go. Through one okay. tier, we're in agreement. Those three goalies, I think, stand above the rest. Probably... For some people, a noticeable absent goalie there is Sergei Bobrovsky, our new two-time Vesna Trophy winner, last year's clear top fantasy goalie. He had a ton of wins. He had like a 930 save percentage. He was unreal. So why don't we go into your tier two by first explaining why Bobrovsky's not in tier one? Well, let's just rewind the tape a little bit before he had this season. He had four consecutive years of decline that we attributed to injury and some Columbus Blue Jacket team turmoil 
And he bottomed out at 9.08, which is just unacceptable in fantasy hockey and uh, real hockey, before bouncing back to 9.31 last year. Now that bounce back came on the strength of a top 10 penalty kill save percentage. He had an 8.91. The league average was, like I said, somewhere in the 8.70s. And he also had a really high 9.72 save percentage while his team was on the power play. That number is usually lower that's not to discredit him and say he was just lucky last year in these two small sample situations where he excelled, where there's been no evidence to show that you can repeat that. Like that's not a skill to be a great penalty kill goalie or a great power play goalie. It's just something that sometimes goes up and sometimes goes down and no goalie has shown a consistent ability to really perform above average. Bob is not a guy, though, who built his previously high-end success on luck. Like, I don't want to take that away from him. Amongst regular starters, Bobrovsky is still a top-10 goalie in even strength save percentage in the last three years, even with the rough patches he's had. Uh, So on the whole, I'm still ready. Even if those numbers on the penalty kill do regress, I'm ready to expect another good year from him, but would be really surprised if he were to get another 930 or more save percentage over 63 starts. I think anything above 920, that's where I'm setting the bar. That would be considered a success. I admit, and I'm ready to take some heat, that sounds low. But again, after a couple off years and those unsustainably high special team save percentages, I'm not ready to bet the farm even on a 925, which he's only ever achieved one other time in his career. Sergei Bobrovsky is a very good goalie, 930 out of the question, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, let's take a look at his safe percentages over the last few years, right? So he won the Vesna with a 932 back in 2012, 2013, then 923, 918, 908, and then 931 last year. So I agree with you, Brian. Maybe he could go back to that 923 that he had after his last Vesna win, and that would be fantastic. But 931 is so high. Plus, all of our concerns from last year, even though they didn't pan out, you could still go back and listen because some of them are still there like they're still relevant in that he had been a bit injury prone he was having issues and as Nick Mercadante said on our podcast last year I've, I've, I've gone back and actually listened to a lot of our goalie episodes from last year to prepare for this and you know once a goalie starts getting injured sometimes it's hard for them to be as good as they used to be so obviously Bobrovsky was able to stave off injury and get back to elite last year but it's still maybe a concern that he could get hurt or something could happen like I don't I don't want to say anything bad's going to happen to him but I agree with you Brian I'm ready to say that he belongs in tier two, which is a huge improvement over what we gave him last year. But I think that probably closer to 920 and I would expect Carey Price to have a higher save percentage before the year is out. And also, what do we think about Columbus as a team? Like, do you see them winning as many games as they did last year? Like, they went from a non-playoff team to, uh, you know, a Stanley Cup favorite. Like a lot of people thought they'd go for a nice run. Of course, the playoff structure really screwed them over and they had to play Pittsburgh in round one. But like, do you see them being as good of a team? Like, do you think that Bobrovsky can get another 41 wins? Yeah, sure. It's possible, especially if he puts the team on his back the way he did before. However, like that's that's a place where you need to take some away because he picked up some of those wins completely on his own accord because he was playing so out of his mind. So if you're going from a 931 to a 920 goalie, some wins will fall by the wayside because of that. Like 35 should still happen. That shouldn't be a question, especially with his workload. 41 finishing second in the league, or actually third, because there were a couple guys tied at 42. That might be a tall order. Okay, so Brian, we've named four goalies now out of the like 45 we're planning on talking about today. So let's go. Who else do you have in your tier two? How many goalies are we talking in your tier two? Including Bobrovsky, one, two, three, four. 
Oh, I've got six. So I guess huh. we'll have a couple that, uh, let's see if at least your four match four of mine. Well, so this is up? interesting because I have two more in a separate tier after tier two. And then I have my, what I'm calling the party tier and you have your party tier immediately after this. So we have the same amount of goalies leading into the party tier. I can't wait to find out if we're on track by then. I'll go, my other tier two goalie, I'm, I'm only going with him now because I feel like people might, be upset at me already if I especially if I wait any longer can Talbot okay he's in the second tier yes he's really good uh, he's pretty good actually I'm still holding on to the Cam Talbot is pretty good <laughs> mantle he was last year's league leader in games played and games started with 73 I mean Jonas Gustafsson was his backup so you understand why that had to happen but that's still seven more then the next best mark of 66, which was held by Frederick Anderson. He played, Talbot did, pretty marvelously given that workload. You know, his 919 doesn't jump off the page, but considering all the tax on his body of playing as much as he did, and of course the league leading 42 wins that he put up, sure helps make his numbers pop on the whole He was also one of the league leaders this past year and expected goals saved above average for 60 minutes. He saved his team about half a goal per game by that measure, which is excellent. The thing is, Cam Talbot is a tier two goalie because you know he's going to get the start. You know he's going to get some wins now that Edmonton, I was going to say is good, but Edmonton has McDavid. And you know he's going to give you likely above average save percentage. Don't expect heroic save percentages from him, but you can expect reliably above average numbers in a truckload of ice time on a pretty good team. Yeah, so it's not Eunice Gustafsson backing him up this year. It's instead Laurent Brassoit, who I think... Oh, was... no, no, <laughs> no. You know that's not how to say it. Brassois? Yeah, something like that. It's a hard one. Brassois. I'll bet you the non-French commentators are going to be saying Brassoit. No chance. Like, <laughs> okay. They watch hockey. They know how French-Canadian names are pronounced. You watch hockey, too, so I don't know what your excuse is. Yeah, I've seen so many Brassois games. <laughs> <laughs> Last year, how many games did he play? Like, five? <laughs> well, like, would you call him Derek Brassard? All right. Anyway, just to say, <laughs> assuming, again, we're expecting Camp Talbot to play a crap load of games because, again, the backup goalie is not someone that the Oilers can really rely on. I haven't heard many great things about Laurent Brassois, so maybe he won't play 73 games again. That seems like it was kind of crazy. And obviously, if your league count saves, that probably catapulted him to Tier 1 in your league last year, if you look at goalie value. But like you say... He had a 919 save percentage. I feel like a 919 guy can't be in tier one. That's You have to be at least a 920 goalie to get into tier one. So I think tier two is reasonable. I'd be curious to see if he'll still be there next year. I, he's one of these goalies who I could see going down a tier or up a tier. Because Edmonton, I mean, like you said, they have McDavid. But maybe they won't have as many wins as before. Maybe they'll do better. It's hard to say. And I think, like you say, Cam Talbot's pretty reliable to be an above average goalie, but not to be insane at least we haven't seen it yet and by the way for those of you who are thinking of keeping Talbot in your keeper league and you're thinking oh a nice young goalie on an up-and-coming team because you know Talbot is a guy who we hadn't really heard of until a couple of years ago and he was backing up on the Rangers he's actually 30 years old so he's you know not an old guy he's not Roberto Luongo but he's not a young buck either so I don't know if you're thinking like five years ahead just something to remind you Cam Talbot's 30 years old I think a lot of people are surprised when they hear that okay Brian that's two goalies in your tier two in Bobrovsky and Talbot you've got two more who are they so I, I think I've mollified anyone who was really angsty about whether I'd have Cam Talbot. Maybe uh, we saw some tier one votes for him 
And tier two, good. I, I hope we're all on the level, but I'm going to sort of re-agitate that and say my next guy is if I had to pick one of these guys to move up into tier one, it would be him. Uh, and it's Devin Dubnik. I have nothing bad to say about Devin Dubnik. He's essentially a top five goalie in the last three years in even strength and all situation save percentage. Why isn't he in tier one? Well, he's just not like totally elite enough in as many categories as the guys who are in tier one. He also, like, if I want to be rude, uh, well, or just honest, he had a pretty average expected goal saved above average per 60 minutes ranking. But if you could argue for someone to be added, he'd be the one from tier two. I mean, sure, you could probably make a case for Bobrovsky as well, but he's the one that came the closest while I was tiering. Uh, People I know are pretty turned off of Dubnik because of what happened to Minnesota in their playoff quote-unquote flameout last year. But it wasn't really that. Like, just remember, it was awful misfortune to face what was essentially a brick wall in the opposing net. And I actually think that's going to help savvy pulleys get Dubnik for good value this year. He's going to fall further than he should because those playoff losses are still fresh in people's minds. I think it'll let you sneak him round or two later or a tier or two later than you would have been able to had Minnesota made it to at least the conference finals. Yeah, I agree with you. He's in my tier two as well. And another, like, just like Camp Talbot, the thing with Devin Dubnik is you know he's getting a ton of starts. Brian, do you even know who the backup goalie is going to be on Minnesota next year now that uh, Darcy Kemper has been shipped to, where did Kemper go? I think LA? Uh, I know there are two competitors for it. One is Alex Stalock, who should not get the job. And the other is Nicholas Svedberg, who we barely know about I actually I don't have his numbers up in front of me but he did get a little taste with Boston uh, a couple years ago I don't know I I haven't gone there yet to find out what he's been doing in the meantime but if I recall he was yeah yeah he was in 918 in 18 appearances which is already reason enough to let go of Kemper and forget Stalock and I think uh, Svedberg would be a really deserving backup maybe but I think we could generally say that Dubnik's going to play a lot anyways. And we'll yeah, see who's yeah, playing. no doubt. Okay, so one more. I'm getting uh, made fun of here by Dave in the chat room saying I have too many people in my tier two because I have six and you have four. When I get to it, I think it'll make sense. I'd like to say my, my general goalie strategy, again, we'll sprinkle some drafting and like fantasy strategy as we go. I think it's a mistake to like, you know, really separate goalies too much because there's so much variability. I feel like if you have a goalie, you think it's pretty much as good as someone else. You know, like we could argue to the come home about oh is Dubnik actually better than Bobrovsky I think Bobrovsky should should be a tier higher than Dubnik or or, or Cam Talbot you know and, and we'll get to these others I feel like part of tiering is the, the tough part of it is you have to actually clump a bunch of people in tiers your tiers aren't too valuable if each tier has only two goalies and obviously this is a tier four goalies but I'm, I'm making my excuses early I like my tiers I think they're gonna come off really good that's why I stuck them to my goalie or my goal <laughs> <laughs> bell thing okay Brian so one more goalie for your tier four after Bobrovsky Talbot and Dubnik and I said tier four I mean tier two I'm very excited go <laughs> Well, if Dubnik was the one closest to tier one, Corey Crawford is my tier two goalie who's probably the closest to tier three. If you're worried about Minnesota's win totals falling next year, which I I don't really think you should be, Chicken Little is more concerned about Chicago's win totals this year. The team has gotten thinner on the whole. And, you know, yeah, they got Patrick Sharp on a bargain and they brought in Brandon Saad, which 
somehow is making people forget that they sent away Artemi Panarin. Uh, so like that's kind of a wash. Anyway, they've done little to address what they really needed to do this offseason, which was their decor. Elon or anyone in the chat, feel free to join in. Or if you're playing at home, think in the next five seconds and name a Chicago defenseman who is not Keith or Seabrook. Um, well, I have the list in front of me. Oh, could you have though? <laughs> well, I know that they traded Hajal Marson for Connor Murphy. So <laughs> I guess I would say Connor Murphy is one, but you're right. Like aside from that, I don't think I would have been able to. You're right. What are you expecting out of Connor Murphy? I'm expecting not very much. I don't even know anything really about him. I know he gets some hits and blocks. He might be good in your bangers and mash league. But yeah, I'm looking at the depth chart now on Roto World. And after Keith Seabrook and Connor Murphy, who's ranked number three there, uh, Gustav Forsling, Michael Roosevelt, Mikhail Kempney, Jordan Osterle. <laughs> I, want, I want a whole episode of you pronouncing the Chicago names defenseman. of the Chicago defensemen <laughs> and everyone in their system. Okay, so yeah, okay. point so taken. Point, yeah. So that, that is Corey Crawford's challenge this year. It's not just the Blackhawks challenge. It's going to fall on his shoulders. And I'm not saying that he's not up to it. I mean, he's been someone who I make the case every year. He's been underappreciated for a while. He's got an edit similar to Marc-Andre Fleury in which he's considered like a hanger-on and he's in the right place at the right time and nothing more than that. But Crawford has also been a rock for the Blackhawks, and he's put up solid regular season numbers time and time again. He did underperform last year compared to previous years, but he also had a lower-than-usual shorthanded save percentage, which is reason for me to believe that there's room for him to make some positive improvements. There's bounce-back ability in there, and he sets himself apart from falling down to Tier 3 by being someone who's been very good for long enough that I have enough faith and rolling the dice on him in a not-quite-ideal situation, I still think, I know he's going to get trotted out there nightly, especially with Darling out of the picture. I know he's going to get at least 30 wins by virtue of that, hopefully 35. And I know that he's capable of producing above-league-average save percentage all the while. Yeah, and still, like, even though Chicago looks thinner, this is still a team with Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves and Duncan Keith and Corey Crawford and Nett. Like, they're not going to be horrible. Like, they're... I'm still pretty sure they're going to be a playoff team next year. Maybe they're not going to be top in the West like they were last year. I'd be surprised if they could do that. I think they're getting in the playoffs. And if you could get a number one goalie on a playoff team who's a good goalie, like above average as Crawford has been pretty much his whole career, I I agree. you got to have him in tier two, though he is someone. I'm going to have a tier later on, spoiler, of goalies who used to be really good and now I'm kind of concerned about. And I was thinking of putting Crawford there, but I'm not that concerned about him yet. Okay, yeah, so- no, there, there's no warning signs. Like I have a similar tier as well. He does not have the same red flags. Maybe they're coming, but they haven't risen the same way they have for the goalies who I do have in that tier. So those are my four members of tier two for this season. Elon, you have two more goalies in your tier two. I'm very eager to find out if they're the ones I have alone in my tier three. So should I just go ahead and say them? Yeah, let's let's go. Let's do it. Okay, first, my first goalie that I decided to put in my tier two, and I'm going to challenge you to really tell me a good reason why this goalie is not the exact same as Camp Talbot for next year. 
I got Frederick Anderson in there. I mean, really, what's the difference? Last year, Frederick Anderson also played a ton of games. He played 66 games compared to 73. Big whoop. I think you said Frederick Anderson played the second biggest number of games. Curtis McElhenney is the backup in Toronto, so I don't see much of a challenge there. He didn't have as many wins as Talbot last year, but Toronto's got a lot of up-and-coming prospects, just like Edmonton. Of course, Matthews, Nylander, Marner. I feel like they're going to have just as good a chance to do well as Edmonton will. I don't see a big difference between Edmonton and Toronto for next season. I know like McDavid is McDavid, but Austin Matthews is Austin Matthews. So come on. Plus, Anderson had a 918 save percentage last year and Talbot had a 919. But Frederick Anderson, actually, if you look at his splits, he was so, so horrible in October. He had an 876 save percentage in those seven games. That totally brought his total down. Like he was above clearly a 920 goalie for the rest of the season after that horrible, horrible start. So I think if you take out October, he was probably even a better goalie than Talbot last year, at least in terms of raw save percentage. Brian, I'm sure you'll get into the even strength save percentage and all of that. But I feel like if you've got Camp Talbot in your tier two, why not have Frederick Anderson? I don't really see a reason to expect a large difference in their number of wins or their save percentage. Should I move on to my other guy or do you want to talk about Frederick Anderson? Well, no, let me comment. I think it's a fair point that what's the difference between him and Talbot? One thing is 2,000 saves. We've seen 2,000 more saves from Cam Talbot, and that's not because Anderson has given up 2,000 more goals. It just means that we have seen more work from him. Like, I'm a little more confident that he is going to be close to 920 than I am Anderson. That said, 3,000 saves is what Anderson has. And that's thanks to a massive workload last year. And 3,000 is the number you're looking for. If you're trying to figure out at what point can we trust the goalie's career save percentage, that is essentially the point where things really start to even out and goalies stop you know, bouncing up and down in their career numbers. So I think he actually was able to remove a lot of question marks after last season when, you know, what can he do when he doesn't have someone nipping at his heels or, you know, can like people didn't think he could outplay John Gibson. So can he be a league number one? Yeah, I think he I think he answered those questions very well. He was the second most frequent starter in the league last year and managed, like you said, Elon, just one save percentage point less than Cam Talbot. Elon, I'm not concerned about inexperience. Like, that sounds like the reason why I put him in tier three. He could very well be in tier two. I think, and like, this is crazy because he's the Maple Leafs goalie and there's always a premium on any Maple Leafs player that has any kind of upside. I just see a good value opportunity in him in tier three, which means that he's not quite there yet in my mind as someone I can really rely on. Now, I'm not saying that's rational. He could very well be in tier two because he has hit that 3,000 save mark. But I don't know. I, you're right. Like, it's, it's definitely borderline. This is, I feel like we're going to agree on both your tier three goalies and we can just combine them into like a tier two and 2.5. Who's your other one? So Alex in the chat said 42 wins to 33 wins is a big difference. You know, talk about how I said that I think that Anderson and Talbot will be, uh, you know, similar in wins. And obviously last year was a big difference. I think you have to give that year, like this was McDavid's second year last year for Edmonton. It It was only Matthew's rookie season in Toronto. So I think just like McDavid elevated his game to become like even more uber elite than he was in his first season. I think so. Well, Matthews and I think Toronto will get a similar number of wins. And, you know, as far as you're saying, you feel like you're more comfortable putting him in tier three because you could have good value at the end of the day the whole point of tiering is that you want to know when you could pass on a goalie because you could get a similar goalie in the next round so that's exactly why i would put talbot and frederick anderson in the same tier because i feel like if people yeah. are going to rush for talbot i'm going to be very happy just wait and let them take him and i'll so, take so so you think the nine win difference between them you think that's going to shrink significantly 
yeah, I think they're going to be pretty similar next year. Yeah. So, I mean, so that that to me still stands between them. I'd like to see it before I go there. Plus, Anderson's, uh, which I didn't mention, his penalty kill save percentage was a little high. So I think he probably should be one or two save percentage points lower than where he ended up if all things, like if all the other noise is taken away. Okay, so the other goalie that I have in my tier two that you didn't is John Gibson or Jonathan Gibson, if we want to go with the full proper really? name on Anaheim. Yeah, so again, we're talking about guys like Cam Talbot and Frederick Anderson and Corey Crawford. They're like, you know, good teams. I think Anaheim, there's no reason to believe that Anaheim is not as good a team as Toronto and Edmonton and Chicago. Plus, John Gibson put up a 924 save percentage last year, 920 save percentage the year before. So he's been 920 plus for the past two years. Now, I know he's young. I know we're going to say the sample size isn't there yet, but we were putting Matt Murray in tier one and he's played fewer games than John Gibson has. Like John Gibson's played now 118 games and he has a career 922 save percentage. That's really good. So I think he's a good goalie on a really good team. I Maybe you could argue that he's not the for sure, for sure number one because Ryan Miller is there as the backup, but I think he's earned the job. I, I, the one thing I would say, if I wanted to put something that I'm nervous about him about, it's his injury proneness. Like he, he keeps getting injured. You know, we all remember that diarrhea game, but aside from that, he also <laughs> had other issues last year, but I'm not too concerned about the injuries or not so much that I'm going to move him down a tier. I'd be very happy to have John Gibson, like just as happy as I would be to have one of those other tier two goalies, like maybe Bobrovsky now at this point, like even Bobrovsky versus Gibson, like, is it really so inconceivable that Gibson yes. won't be uh, like, I think that Anaheim's probably a better team than Columbus. And I don't see why they won't put up similar numbers. Like you said, you think Bobrovsky is going to be closer to 920. That's what Gibson has been for the last two years. So I don't know why you're poo-pooing John Gibson so much. Okay. Well, first off, like I was going to comment on diarrhea and then, okay. Uh, Is diarrhea an injury? No, the diarrhea thing was more that Jonathan well, Bernier prone, and then you referenced diarrhea. Well, no, I was saying there was that one other issue that he had last year, but actually that wasn't even a problem with John Gibson because that was a problem where they couldn't pull Bernier in that game where he led him like eight goals, and it really screwed me. But okay, okay, which we'll never hear the end of. That's the last time. Here, the season, I, I'm not mentioning diarrhea again. I doubt that. Uh, Gibson outside of last year's top 10 in even strength save percentage, not by much, but by a little. And also out of all goalies who played 45 games or more last year, he led the league in shorthanded save percentage, which as I've tried very hard to make clear, that's not a good thing. He had a 909. That's like 30 percentage points higher than where it should have been. And that leaves lots of room for regression in my opinion he had a 924 all situation save percentage great it was boosted by that is he an average to above average goalie yeah like is he capable of 920 sure but he has like they brought in ryan miller they they could have just kept jonathan bernier there if they really were ready to ride with john gibson i saw that as a sign that hey maybe they think that he needs a little more rest than usual he does not qualify as a tier two or tier three goalie for me. Wow. Well, I think you'll be wrong. And I guess people drafting against Brian are going to <laughs> get a nice little gift in getting John Gibson pretty high. He is stickered in. <laughs> yeah. You and your goal light will be wrong. <laughs> that's a that's a really that's a big blemish on your goal light. My no. other 
It's a bold prediction that's going to be true. I see him as a good goalie on a good team, and that's enough for me. Considering all the goalies, well, I mean, we'll have to get into it with our next tiers, but I see, like, once I get into my tier three, which, like you said, is my party tier, and I've got uh, sort of two different groups that I've made into tier three, and I think all of them have an issue that I'm concerned about. I don't really have the same type of issue with John Gibson. So, okay. All right. So, Brian, you said that you had two guys in your next tier after tier two. One of them's Frederick Anderson, clearly not John Gibson. So who's your other guy? My other guy led the NHL in even strength save percentage last year, even better than Sergei Bobrovsky with a 941. Craig Anderson, unsung is the word you would use to summarize his career. He was stuck behind Thomas Vokun for years in Florida. I go through this history every time just because I remember him being behind Vokun and loving Vokun, but also knowing that Craig Anderson deserved better. He deserved to start his role. Then he got one with Colorado. I don't know if you remember, Elon. He played 71 games and stood on his head for many of them in his first year as a starter. And it's like he's still trying to earn respect, but he totally has done enough to deserve it. He's tied for third in the league in even strength save percentage over the last three seasons, and he's eighth in the NHL in all situation save percentage in the same time frame. So that means, like, a lot of people, Craig Anderson, unsexy name. Like, nobody gets into that for their fantasy drafts. Or is like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to check check who I'm about to take off the board and pat themselves on the back. But he has posted over the last three years literally the same even strength save percentage as tier two goalies, Devin Dubnik and Corey Crawford, and the same all situation save percentages as tier two goalie Sergei Bobrovsky and uh, some other guy named John Gibson. But John Gibson hasn't done all those other things that Anderson has. Behind Sergei Bobrovsky last year, Craig Anderson was your second most reliable starting goalie in terms of getting you a quality start if you put him in your lineup. The issue with Craig Anderson going into next year, and the reason he's not in tier two, and Elon, maybe why he's not in your tier two either is that just when he's getting some wind beneath his wings, he falls back down to become an average goalie. So a lot of people want to know after his great season, does his on off pattern of the last five years mean that now another off year is on the horizon to follow this last on year. So I'd like to think not like his goals saved above average numbers show a goalie who performed better than his peers would have in his situation. And his last three years also show a goalie who's in a solid top-of-the-league stride. There are a couple theories for why he could have an off year, though, and, and these are them. Can Ottawa be a good team is the first question anyone wants to ask. Can he get the wins? And I think that's going to be coaching-related. Guy Boucher, remember in Tampa, you, people seem to figure him out. So we're going to see if Ottawa can find ways to win ugly again, to win games against all odds, games that they shouldn't be in, and Craig Anderson is going to need to be a part of that. I've heard the question, like, does Guy Boucher have an effect on goalies? Did he, did, did he make his goalies in Tampa better? And did teams solve it and make his goalies worse in Tampa? And it actually took me through a really awful memory lane of Tampa goalies. Elon, I don't know if you remember, but before Guy Boucher was the head coach in Tampa, between 2008 and 2010, the team had a 904 save percentage with the likes of Antero Nidimaki, Mike Smith, Kerry Ramo, and even Mike McKenna and Olaf Kolzig played a handful of games for them. Then in 2010-2011, Boucher's first year, they actually went down. They had a 903. That was with a tandem or a trio of Dwayne Rolison, Mike Smith, and Dan Ellis. Uh, the next year in 11-12, it went down to 893. 
So I don't know. Did other teams figure it out? Or was it just that Matthew Guerrant and Dwayne Rollison shouldn't have been NHL goalies anymore? Then, of course, he got fired the next season when the team posted back a, a 904 save percentage. So to answer the Guy Boucher question, I think he plays a factor in determining whether the Sens can win again with Anderson in net. I don't think he's going to have much of an influence on Craig Anderson's save percentage. The other question about Craig Anderson that people want to know, well, like he's old, right? He's 36 years old. And yeah, there's less mileage on him. But that argument only goes so far. Like I'm not even 36 and I've never played goalie in my life. And I'm pretty sure I'd have been better five years ago if I tried than I would be today. So, And, and you're tired all the time. And I'm tired. All, well, you know, I just work so hard on this podcast that I do. It's called, anyway, I, like me putting him in tier three, like it still feels a little risky, but I yeah. think it's where Craig Anderson deserves to be. Like he's a top 10 goalie who is uncontested as his team starter. I think he's, he's much less contested than John Gibson has much more impressive numbers over the last three years stood out amongst his peers in the category, even strength save percentages that I value so much. So that is why Craig Anderson is in my tier three with Frederick Anderson. So Brian, I definitely think we might have our bet for the season. I'd love to go Gibson versus Anderson. We'll have to come up with exactly how to measure it because I want to somehow make it an amalgam of save percentage and wins for like total goalie value. But I'm pretty sure I'd rather have John Gibson over Craig Anderson in my fantasy league next year. And it's not close for me. I will straight up go even strength save percentage. No, i Craig not- Anderson. Brian, you're not, you're not listening. No, I heard. I heard you said amalgam of save percentages. I want it to be, and wins. Like, I'm talking. I still might take you up on it. Okay, we'll have to just come up with something. Yeah, we'll have to come up with what it is. Like, Fantrax has a score, which I know Dave always makes fun of whenever I reference it, that that's supposed to, like, take your league categories and come up with a score for how valuable the player was. Maybe we could look at how accurate that was for goalies last year. Maybe we could use that. But I think I'd like I think a lot of people would rather have Gibson over Craig Anderson in fantasy for next year. I think you're really down on John Gibson. He was like a goalie that had a high pedigree. Anyways, enough about him. He had a high pedigree, though. Yeah, no, we don't. You made your case for him. I shot it down aptly. I presented you with a better goalie. I know your tail is between your legs, but you need to you need to move on. Yeah, well, we'll find out as the season goes on. That's what I want our season bet to be, to be who's the knowingest Carlsonite, you know, whatever the Carl smartest. That, that's what we'll discuss. Okay, maybe before we get into our next tiers, and we're all going to be even now. So now I guess I guess it might be a little bit confusing, by the way, for people listening that we're like on my tier three and you just did your well, tier three. Let's call it even like at this point, right? We, we have Murray, Price, Holtby in tier one. In tier two, we both agree on Dubnik, Crawford, Bobrovsky, and Talbot. And then like there's like a little bit after tier two where you lump some guys in. Uh, who you think are similar in, in Freddie Anderson and John Gibson. And I said, Freddie Anderson and Craig Anderson are a step below the tier two guys, but right. still ahead of the rest. So like, I think we're even, let's just call it, can we call it tier four now? Or sure. is that too presumptuous? No, we'll call it tier four, whatever. Anyways, for people listening at home, if you really want to be keeping track of like who's in which tier for each of us, we're going to publish all of this. If you check out, what should we make it, Brian? Keepingcarlson.com slash goalies. And then it'll take you to a Google Doc with both of our tiers. And you know what? That's actually going to be something we're going to give to everyone for free. But moving forward, that's actually going to be a perk of becoming a patron of Keeping Carlson to get access to our notes 
And actually, let's take this opportunity as we're uh, not even midway through, but we don't. you'll notice we don't have any ad for this show, no promotion of any other product. We just want to talk about our podcast and we want to invite you as we're going in to the new season. This is our you know, season premiere of our new season of Keeping Carlson, our fifth season, by the way, Brian. And we would like to ask you to come aboard with us and support our show going into next season. We're going to ask you to be a patron of Keeping Carlson. We have a Patreon set up where you can go and pledge $5 a month or whatever to support the show. And I feel like we're going to be giving you a lot of good stuff all throughout the year. And I hope that you'll think it's worth it. But if not, we're actually offering like so many perks that it's like, how could you not? Even if you don't care about supporting the show, you're going to care about these perks. So let me run them down for you. First of all, the Keeping Carlson Ultimate Patron Fantasy League. It's going to be a super fun league. We have a whole Facebook group for the league. And all year last year, it was full of like trash talk and trade discussion. It's like, it's so fun. You're going to be in a league with really good players. You're going to play like the best competition. Brian and The world's best. The world's best. You've got good commissioners making sure everything is legit. You're going to start in tier five if you're new. We have it all set up where there's like five divisions in tier five, four divisions in tier four, all the way up to like one division in tier one, which is the ultimate tier, which Jeff won last year. So Jeff T is the reigning ultimate cupful champion. And so anyways, you could join in tier five this year. If you win, you jump up two tiers. You're going to become in tier three. You win the following year. You're in tier one, competing against Brian, who's in tier one for the ultimate championship. I'm in lowly tier two, but whatever. We don't need to talk about that. It's such a fun league. We've done a whole episode like a month or two ago describing all of the rules you can go into the backlog for that you can check out keepingcarlson.com slash kkupful k-k-u-p-f-l for the rules and the breakdown anyways you get free entry into the kkupful if you sign up to be a patron of keeping carlson at keepingcarlson.com slash patron okay that's one perk next we have our patron only facebook group which we are actually increasing to be for ten dollar patrons but until the kkupful sign up deadline which is september 8th we are also gonna let people who are five dollar patrons as of september 8th stay in the facebook group so this is like your short window to get in the facebook group and stay there as a five dollar patron if you want so the facebook group you know people are asking fancy hockey questions all the time brian and i are giving advice we have our game day threads we discuss everything it's a lot of fun there's a perk okay sometimes people are like brian elon why can't you give us some more content why don't you do two shows a week fine we will. We're going to do a weekly mailbag show every Thursday night, most of the time. Uh, you know, other, other days we'll do like Wednesday, but whatever. Most of the time it's going to be Thursday nights, right? Midway through the week, we're going to answer some questions, talk about some of the things that are that have happened since the Sunday show and the following Sunday show. So you get a whole extra show where we're going to answer these questions. It's going to be a lot of fun. So that's going to be something that you get as a $5 patron. Plus, we have our monthly patron cast. We just did one last week where we went for like over two hours. That's where we answer like every question. We don't leave a question unanswered. The mailbag show is going to be like, you know, like 20 minutes. We'll answer like four questions. Every month, though, we're going to do a full crazy long patron cast where we answer everything if you sign up now to be a patron you get to listen to that patron cast we just did sorry i know i sound like such a jerk like doing uh infomercial right now for you but you know this is our big time of the year when we're starting the year and we have big plans we're going to be pushing out a ton of content we want you there with us so check it all out at keepingcarlson.com slash patron you could sign up to be a patron by the way and if you don't like it you could stop but i think you should give it a try i'm sure you're going to be convinced that it's a fun community to be a part of and we want you on board oh my god that was long short version tldr we offer you a lot of perks if you support the show and you can also just support us if you like what we do do it at keepinggarlson.com patron and we will reward you handsomely especially if you want to compete in the best fantasy league in the world against the best poolies in the world it's, an, it's a fun challenge. Okay, now I'm going too long. Okay, Elon, let's go. 
Let's take it away. More, let's talk about more goalies. Keeping Carlson.com slash patron. <laughs> and September 8th is the deadline for both a couple sign up and to get in the Facebook group at $5. Okay. So Brian, next tier. So this tier, I had so this is where I spent all of my time. I like couldn't decide how to break this up because you can't just have like 20 goalies in a tier, right? Not that it's 20, but I had a whole bunch of goalies and I couldn't decide like which ones were above which one. So I ended up deciding to like split this next tier into two groups. And I have sort of a group of goalies who used to be really good, used to be like in a higher tier, but now I have some concern about. And then I have another group of goalies that are like the opposite, the goalies that are on good teams and we expect that they should be good, but they haven't yet like proven themselves enough to me to make it. I'm sure you're going to say John Gibson should be one of those guys. I think he's done enough for me. But anyway, so that's like, I have these two groups. I'm curious to know, how did you do your like sort of party tier? Yeah, so my party tier, the thing that they all share in common is that, all the goalies in it have a significant question mark. The difference is where that question mark comes from. Is it from past performance and recent trends that we've seen from them? Or is it that I just don't know enough? Like there is not that past performance to reference and make inferences upon. So that's the difference between them. Elon, I think it's probably about the same as you. We just worded yeah. it differently. Yeah, I like split it up into like tier 3A and 3B. Just so, because I was thinking like maybe as you're drafting, like depending on who your first goalie is, maybe you could sort of go, you know, player's choice. Do you want to have a guy who has done it before, but we're nervous about? Or do you want to have someone who hasn't done it before, but maybe we think can do it? It's sort of like maybe depending on how much risk or what type of goalie you took for your first one, you might want to diversify. But in the end, yeah, we basically have these goalies with question marks that can be really good. This is like a group of guys who could all be Bobrovsky's this year, I think. Like goalies that are going to surprise us and jump up and have an amazing year these are all capable number one goalies on decent teams but they have a question mark i'll give one spoiler i've got craig anderson in this you obviously had him above in your tier i guess three i have craig anderson here in my tier three which was is sort of like my group of goalies that have been good before but i have a concern about my concern with craig anderson is the injury history and like ottawa potentially not being that great at but it was mainly the injury history and his age make me think he can't go any higher so brian why don't you go ahead Go like how should we do this? <laughs> I guess you go ahead, name some goalies. Okay. Uh maybe we can just trade back and forth and we'll call each other out if if we disagree on one Sounds of good. them. So I'll start with my group uh, of I call them goalies with a pass, and that's where the question marks come from. And uh this is this is the lowest I think he's ever fallen. Uh this is where Henrik Lundqvist sits going into this season. You look at where he is and you say, well, like, can't you just bump him up a little? Like, he's Henrik Lundqvist. He deserves to be there. He's not even in the top 15 goalies in all situation save percentage over the last three seasons. Now, he's still in the top 10 in even strength save percentage. And that's a testament to his elite past and persistent ability to compete even as he gets older. But it's still not enough to get him any higher. Uh, so another positive for him I'm trying to throw the Lungfist fans a bone, like let, let you down easy. Uh, like he finished the year with a quality start percentage in the high 50s, and that's actually very good. But there was a time at the start of the season where he could never string two quality starts together in a row. In fact, he would swing wildly the other way. So he'd had to have a great start and then an awful start and a great start and an awful start. And we tweeted about this during the season. I swear it was a pattern that carried itself over like 23 or 24 starts at one point, which doesn't do anything for you if you have him on your fantasy team because he'll throw up a 9.30 one night and 8.70 the next night. And then what does that leave you with? Not very good numbers. He's 35 years old this season, which is, by the way, younger than Craig Anderson, but Lundqvist has played nearly 15,000 more minutes 
in the NHL. So, you know, consider what that's done to his body. You know, I, I don't like doing this any more than you like hearing it, having Lundqvist in tier four. But his recent performance isn't enough to say that he belongs up there with the Andersons. This guy just, he's not what he used to be. It's natural. It happens. He can still stand on his head from time to time and still hopefully, hopefully give you league average numbers the rest of the way. But I just want to be very clear here. Henrik Lundqvist is not a premium level fantasy pick anymore. Yeah, no disagreement here. He's in my 3A, which I guess we've decided to just call a one. Even though for me, it's tier three because I think all those other guys belonged in the same tier and tier two. But yeah, we'll stop talking about that. I agree. Henrik Lundqvist is in this next group of goalies who have been really good in the past. We've had Henrik Lundqvist in tier one, I'm sure, in earlier versions of Schmore Goaliesborg, maybe three years ago now. And he's on like a decent team. And he's the for sure number one goalie with Pavlik as the backup now. I think Pavlik actually, we'll get to him later on in like an hour. Oh man, this is going to be a long show. But yeah, I think Pavlik could be decent as a backup, but we'll get to that later. But yeah, Henrik Lundqvist is not the goalie he used to be. And he's not someone I think you could rely on as your number one goalie. And that's why I have him down in my big tier three group or what we're calling like tier four for you. Uh, Do you want me to go with a goalie next? Yeah, go. Uh, So I think another guy who I see very similar to Henrik Lundqvist is Tuka Rask, who's another guy that we've in the past had super high and he's had seasons that were like Vesna caliber seasons. He's had nine, he had three seasons in a row starting in 2011, 2012, where he had 929, 929, 930 save percentage. So three years of pretty much 930, which was like insane. He was looking like one of the best goalies in the league, right? When you're put up numbers like that. But since then, it's been three years now, 922 the following year, then 915, then 915 last year. And, And last year actually is interesting because Rask, started really well like he was looking like oh yeah he like he was like you know pulling up Bobrovsky himself and like just coming out to a really strong start and making it look like the previous year had been an aberration but then he totally fell apart in the second half of the year like this 915 save percentage really doesn't tell the story of his season last year because if you look at the splits it was more like 958 932 and then by the end of the year he was having months of like 882 and 895 so like just disastrously bad and ruining games for you so there's no way i could have tuka rask as a higher tier goalie at this point but i think he's just like henrik longfist he's on what should be a decent team like boston's obviously going to score a lot of goals with pasternak and marshawn and bergeron and company tory krug back on defense and i think he could like there could be an argument to put him lower because he was like below average but i think because he's a starting goalie on a good team like basically i see him and longfist the same this is like the definition of two goalies that belong in the same tier to me tuka rask and henrik longfist yeah, Tuka Rask is, is, he was the guy last year who I was sad to say had dropped a tier. And you're right, at the start of the season, it looked like maybe I was wrong, although I never lost faith. That, like, that's a sad thing to say. He's been a favorite of mine for a while, but this is his second straight year at 915. And one number that really jumps out in his stat line from this past year is a sub 50% quality start percentage. In fact, it was the first time in his career where less than half of his starts resulted in a quality start he also had 14 really bad starts that's like almost one out of every four times that he went in net he would have just a terrible game a really bad start like is an actual term by the way it's a start with a save percentage below 85 percent so he was someone that could really just blow it for you. So whatever goodwill he ever earned with a good start, he would undo quite quickly. And that's why I agree he belongs in this tier. He's on a decent team in Boston. I think he's still a decent goalie. 915, still above league average last year. League average save percentage was low. It was 913. So he still beat that mark. 
but not by much. Yeah, it's because the guys like Hellebuck and Cam Ward just totally cratered it for everybody. <laughs> but okay, uh, who, do, who else do you have? Uh, I'll go with Martin Jones as another goalie with a past, but like a shorter one. Uh, he was one of two goalies last year to start at least 60 games and have a save percentage that was below league average. He had a 9-12, league average was 9-13. And Elon, you actually just mentioned the other. The other was Cam Ward, who somehow started more than 60 games last year. But not Martin, somehow, because the other goalie was Eddie Lack. <laughs> okay, let, let's not make this personal. <laughs> But Martin Jones, his first year in San Jose, 9-18, he had 37 wins, was a workhorse right from the start. That's great. But he didn't improve on that this year. And looking into whether like he should have or shouldn't have or if what happened this year was a fluke, I don't see anything that tells me that he is about to put up any significantly better numbers. I think you could probably expect mid-9-10s from him which is a little disappointing considering that a lot of us hoped he'd be able to equal Ken Talbot and be up in the high nine tens, but I would consider him more of a mid to unfortunately low nine tens guy. And you'll hear later on, I have his backup in a tier that suggests that, well, his job could be up for grabs or there is at least some ice time that is up for grabs. And that 60, 65 starts, not a guarantee anymore if he keeps playing at 9-12. Yeah, can't wait for that Frozen reference later on when we talk about the San Jose backup. Yeah, so like I said, I sort of split my tier three into 3A and 3B, with 3A being like the guys who used to be good and 3B being the guys who I still think they have potential to be good. And I had Martin Jones in my 3B. I know he also used to be good, but sort of like a young guy. You'll see who else I had there. But yeah, I agree with you. I have Martin Jones in this tier as well. It's really hard to decide. Again, the point of tiering, I just feel like we have to keep hammering it home. The point of tiering is it's really hard to decide who you want between these guys. And you should be similarly satisfied with either. And I, at the end of the day, like I feel like Martin Jones or Tuka Rask or Henrik Lundqvist, I feel pretty similarly confident maybe like i i'm expecting more wins from one and a better save percentage from another maybe i'd actually have martin jones a little lower in the tier just because san jose also there's a bit of a question mark of how good they'll be so maybe he's closer to the bottom of this tier and actually when we post these tiers at keepingcarlson.com slash goalies uh which you should be able to access by the time you're listening to this uh my tiers at least i ordered them also the goalies within the tier of who i think is better or worse for for what that's worth i think brian you just said in no particular order and i have martin jones kind of at the bottom of my list but i agree so um what should i give you okay let me give you another one of these three B guys for me guys who could be really good, but haven't shown me enough yet to make it to to my tier two. Uh, How about Jake Allen? Let me put there. So just a guy with a lot of upside starting goalie on St. Louis. We all were really excited going into last year when Brian Elliott got traded and we knew Jake Allen was going to be the number one guy on this really good team, St. Louis blues. And you know what? He was not that great, at least for a lot of the season. He had only a 915 save percentage overall. And that was also like with a lot of ups and downs. There was a stretch when he was doing so badly that Carter Hutton had to play. And then Carter Hutton did so badly. And I remember they called up Copley, I think is his name. And then he played a game because everyone else was doing so badly. But then things kind of stabilized. And then by the time the playoffs came, Jake Allen became the, you know, the star of the playoffs. He's the brick wall you were talking about that Minnesota faced. So going into next year, I'm not sure how Jake Allen is going to be ranked in a lot of leagues. If people are thinking about just the playoffs, they're going to think he's like an elite guy. If they're thinking about his season overall, 915 save percentage, nothing too exciting. So I think he belongs right here. Could be really good, but could also not be that good. I think this is exactly where he belongs with the Lungfists, the Rasks, and the Martin Joneses of the world. Yeah, I agree. 
uh, it was disappointing all around last season, of course, until the playoffs where he finally picked up and the coaching change also seemed to help him. But across the board, uh, no numbers really stand out in a positive way. In fact, one the one positive number is also a concerning number. Uh, he had a 900 penalty kill save percentage, which is about 25 points higher than it should be. So even the 915 that he put up is a little inflated based on the performance that he actually turned in at even strength. So yeah, I have no qualms with Jake Allen being in this tier. It's starting to seem to me, Elon, like these guys, and I'm saving a certain group for the end of this because there are guys like Lungvist, Jones, Quick, Rask, Allen, and by the way, Gibson is also in that chunk for me. And I've already gone into him, so I'm not going to go into him again. But that's my group of guys at this tier who it's like, you know, they're not going to be outstanding, but you pretty much, like, it's reasonable to expect whatever you know you're going to get. It's unlikely that you're going to get a huge flame out, but you're also not going to get anything wonderful. You're hoping for league average and somewhat stable and that their team is going to help get them some wins. Oh, wait, did I mention John Quick yet? I'll, I'll throw him in there because I think I just rhymed off his name, but he is the last guy in that group of goalies who, you know, you know, they're like the devils, you know, you know what you're going to get. And Jonathan Quick is one of them, uh, like just screams average all across the board. Uh, he's not a very good goalie and he's not on a very good team anymore. And that team is tweaking things. And so that's why I have Quick in the same spot as these other guys. Okay, yeah, that's basically what I had. And again, this is like a big tier. And I think this is a big difference in how I'm looking at my goalie strategy going into the season. I feel like I'll be good with having a couple of these guys from this party tier. This like big tier where I see a lot of the guys being equal. Because I feel like at the end, I don't want to spend a really high pick on one of the tier one or tier two guys. Unless maybe I could get a steal on Gibson if I'm in a league with you. But, you know, I just feel like I'd rather just get some of these guys. Like maybe they'll be good. Maybe they won't be good. But I feel like my chances are pretty similar. And I could get them with slightly later picks. So we've said already. Rask, Lungfist, you mentioned Quick. Uh, Craig Anderson is who I have in this tier. You don't. And then Jake Allen and Martin Jones. Let me throw out another one of these like unknown guys that could be really good, but I think can't be any lower just because of his prime position. Just like Jake Allen, the undisputed number one goalie on Tampa Bay next year is going to be Andre Vasilevsky. So I've got him basically the same as Jake Allen. I don't see any reason to expect one to be better than the other. Like Vass, I guess, you know, he hasn't yet shown that he's going to be able to be as good as his pedigree suggested he would be before he came to the league. Like he was one of the top blue chip prospect goalies. He only has a 915 career overall save percentage at this point, 90 games played. So that's not great, but this is the year we're hoping Tampa Bay is finally going to take a step forward with Stamkos back and healthy. Hedman like really broke out last year. So we're hoping he can continue that. And then you've got Andre Vasilevsky as the for sure number one goalie. Now that Bishop is out, obviously they have Peter Budai as the backup, but he's not a goalie that anyone has to be concerned about stealing the job. So Vasil is going to play a lot. And I'm really curious to see what he can do as a starting goalie. This could be a boomer bust pick, but I would be very comfortable having Vass even as my number one goalie in my league, assuming that I used those higher picks to get really good skaters. Yeah, so this is now we're on to the guys who are similarly valuable as sort of the older, more experienced guys we've talked about. They're in the same tier, but there's upside there, but also downside. Like they could fall flat. And Vasilevsky did fall flat in his last attempt to reclaim the starting job in Tampa. And then when Bishop left, he still didn't really impress anyone. The good news with Vasilevsky is that at this point in his career, you can make a pretty safe bet that he's at least 
a league average goalie and he's going to be on a team that should be able to handle their division pretty well, which should get him wins. As you said, there's not a lot of competition from a number two goalie. It's like Peter Budai is probably good enough, if even good enough, to only spell a number one occasionally. So there's no threat coming from there. And that's why things could go well for Vasilevsky this year. Elon, I'm actually going to rhyme off the other guys I consider very similar to Vasilevsky. Is that good if I just let them all out at once? Let's do it. Yeah. And for people listening, I, if you're like concerned, if there's someone there with like a piece of paper trying to like get all these tiers, like maybe just stop, like take in our like thoughts on all of these goalies. And like I said, you'll, you could go to keepingcarlson.com slash goalies and we'll post all of these lists. So if you're getting confused, like, wait, who was with who? Who was with who? Just like listen to us talk about these goalies. We're trying to, you know, remind you who we think is similar to who, but it might make it easier for you. I just don't want people to be confused and frustrated listening to this. So Brian's going to now list a bunch of goalies that he sees as similar to Vasilevsky and I guess Jake Allen. Yeah, so not as good as the Andersons in my books, but the next step down with high upside and some downside too. So Scott Darling, Ben Bishop, Robin Lehner, Antti Ranta, all in the same group is Vasilevsky. And I have them, well, I've made this point too many times, but just to be very clear, similarly valued to Gibson, Allen, Rass, Quick, Jones, and Lundqvist. I have all these guys in one tier. It's just like a what's your flavor. Like if you have a tier one goalie, and you wanted just another guy who you know is going to get those starts and get you average save percentage. You know, it, it sort of depends on what you already have picked at the point in the draft where you're getting to these guys. Or if you want to swing for the fences with the players who have something to prove, like Darling, Bishop, Laner, Ranta, and Vasilevsky. I don't, I'll just run through them quickly. Of course, Darling has a great opportunity in Carolina. We know Mike Bales left Pittsburgh right after the cup run to come and help be the goalie coach in Carolina, which is something it seems they sorely needed for the last several years. Cam Ward is not a challenge in my books, although he is there if Darling struggles early, but he'll just struggle himself and the tide will turn back to Darling. Uh, will be fun to watch for sure. Uh, I have confidence that Darling is at least a league average goalie. I think there's still a good shot that he can be like uh, around a Talbot is what I'm hoping for. Talbot Anderson. Wow. Come on. You don't think so? Wait, like Carolina is going to be like as good a team as Toronto? Sorry, I'm talking strictly in save percentage, not necessarily wins. Okay, so not in terms of fantasy value. Like the thing with Darling, and we'll get to him, but I, I'll spoil here. I don't have him in my party tier. I'm in the next tier. What? I, maybe at this point I should say my people. But yeah, Darling is like, to me, I have my next tier is intriguing number one goalies on new teams that like I could totally see it going either way. Like Scott Darling has never been a number one goalie in this league and apparently in like any league. So I feel like I'm not going to be like all these other guys we're talking about, like Rask, Lungfist, like Jake Allen, Vasilevsky, they're like number one goalies on teams. And I feel like, well, maybe Vasilevsky, you could say hasn't shown it yet, but you know, we, he's, he's had some shots at it. Maybe he's gained some experience. I just feel like Scott Darling is such an unknown, a brand new number one goalie we've never seen before. All we've seen is him put up good save percentages on a Chicago team where the backup always seems to put up good save percentages. So I'm, I'm not ready to put Darling in the same tier as these guys. I know Steve Laidlaw is, and a pair, well, he, Steve Laidlaw would have him even higher, and you have him here, and that's fine. And he could, like, I agree with you that he could end up being with these guys, but I think he also has an like, equal chance of being like much worse. So I would rather have, okay. I'd rather have Vasilevsky or Allen or Rask or Lungvist or Jonathan Quick over Scott Darling so I could like sleep well at night going into the season. Do you, do you have any doubts that Darling will be at least a 915 goalie? Yeah, of course. Okay. Would you want to make that bet? 
<laughs> we can make the bet, but this one is not like I'm confident either way. Like we can make the bet, and I think for me, it's like we just don't know because he's never been a starting goalie in the league. Yeah, so but how, he has. But know? he's played enough. Like he has. He has a career sample yeah. here that we can like so garner a little, fr- glean, glean a little bit of information I I, from. Clearly, and that's why he's now the starting goalie on Carolina. Okay, Brian, like, tell me, is this like total just me pulling something out of my butt that the stats don't support? Like, I kind of have this idea in my head that a backup goalie has it easier. Like, I think they get the easier games when the team sort of has two games coming up. They're going to put the backup against like the easier team and play the good goalie against the strong team. I know you might okay. say now that, oh, but the team's maybe tired on the second game of the No, no, no. Back-up. Like, I-, I will say that there are, I can think of examples where Darling has not come in because he's been against easy competition. He's come in because Corey Crawford's been injured. Elon, I, this is also my opportunity to bring up, which I do like once every six months, that you had Scott Darling taking over the starting job from Corey Crawford. Like, uh, what was it, three years ago now? Okay. He's a Let's... 923 goalie over 75 games, which isn't a lot, but 2,000 saves he, or 2,000 shots against. So he's getting, he's two thirds of the way there from having an established sample size. He'd have to fall off quite a bit to be a goalie who's not capable of 9.15. Maybe. First of all, I didn't like have Scott Darling way back when in like a tier three in Schmore Goalsborg. I didn't even say he would steal the job. I said I was nervous that he can challenge Corey Crawford for starts because he had played a few games in the playoffs the year before. Like they actually benched Crawford to play Darling because Crawford hadn't been doing well. And so that's why I was a little bit nervous about Darling more in the terms of like me being nervous to draft Crawford. And I was wrong about that. But that has nothing to do with this. All I'm saying here is I've got my tier. I have to decide which goalies I see as similar. I'm just going to run it down right now. So it's there's no suspense, okay? This, these are the guys in my party tier, I guess. So the, first of all, the guys who I think have been good before, but I have a question mark about most of them we've already said. But Tuka Rask, Ben Bishop I have here, Lundqvist, Jonathan Quick, Pekarine, Corey Schneider, Craig Anderson. I think all these goalies like could be really good next year or could continue to do what they did last year or the year before and concern us. You know, like Schneider used to wait, be really good. It was bad no, wait, last year. No, I'm interrupting. You said Craig Anderson and you said they'll, maybe they'll keep doing what they did in the last year or two in, in concerning us. Yeah, yeah. With Anderson, he's the exception. I know, I know you put and- your stickers on the red light, but would you consider, I, they, yeah. in, light of, in light of my arguments, moving Anderson up? No, I'm not going to put Anderson up. Anderson was great last year, but he wasn't that good the year before. He was so, pretty good. All right. This is my tier. Anderson concerns me also <laughs> because of his age. I'm sticking with my tiers. My, remember, my tier two is Bobrovsky, Talbot, Dubnik, Crawford, Gibson, Frederick Anderson. I don't think Craig Anderson belongs there. I have my next group is Rask, Bishop, Lundqvist, Quick, Rene, Schneider, Anderson as sort of 3A. And then I also put as 3B guys who I consider similar in terms of risk reward, but more in terms of younger guys, I have Alan Vasilevsky Jones. That's my tier three. Then I'm going to go, my next tier is going to have the Scott Darlings, the guys who could be, you know, good starting goalies, but I'm just like more nervous about them than guys like Corey Schneider, Pekka Andre Vasilevsky, etc. Okay, wait, hang on. I, I want to try and re-coordinate our tiers. What tier did you have Rene and Schneider in? Okay, so yeah, this is good. We've had our argument about Scott Darling, which I knew we would do. And I guess we also had our argument with Craig Anderson. So let's refocus, try. So this tier 3A of mine, I've got Rask, Bishop, Lundqvist, Quick, Rene, Schneider, Anderson. And I have a feeling you're going to say Pekka Rene shouldn't be here. You're going to say he's like worse than Jonathan Quick and worse than Lundqvist. I feel like Pekka Rene, am I right, by the way, before I defend it? 
Yeah, yeah, you're okay. absolutely right. Okay. And I also thought if one of us was going to aggressively tear Schneider, it would have been me. But it's you. Well, Schneider's been really good for many years, but he concerns me. But I feel like he belongs with these guys. This is my lesson I've learned about goalies over the years, is that it's really hard to predict goalies. And I feel like all of these guys, to me, are like similar. Like They could be really good. Rene could be really good, not in terms of save percentage, but in terms of fantasy value, just because Nashville is such a good team and he's still the number one goalie. And... I know that they're like, I have them near the bottom of my list, by the way, you know how I said, I actually put my tier in order, but still, if you have Pecorine as your number one goalie, like last year, he was pretty good for you. He had a 918 save percentage. He had 31 wins, like, which is an insane number of wins, but like on a good team, he had 34 wins the year before, you know, like he, and with a worse save percentage, he had 908 save percentage two years ago and had 34 wins. We all agree. Nashville's a good team. Of course, there's a concern with UC Saros coming in and stealing starts, but you know, he didn't do it. And the end last year, like we thought he would, he didn't do it all throughout the playoffs and they made it all the way to the finals. So I think it's reasonable to expect that Rene is the starting goalie. I think it's like hundred percent sure he's the starting goalie going into the year. And I think it's reasonable to expect that he stays the starting goalie throughout the season. And if he could put up a league average save percentage, which I think he can, I think he's going to get a lot of wins. And I think he belongs in a tier with Craig Anderson. Cannot disagree. Like I get it. I, I get that their fortunes could be similar, uh, but Pecorine has not been a good goalie for a while. You know, I, I at least feel like we've at least taken a step back from the days of Pecorine elite goalie or at least Pecorine above average goalie. Like, he's pretty good. He's a little bit above average, but that's, that's as far as I'm willing to go. And that's at the best of times. I owned him last year against my will. He was like the last goalie available in auction after I had tried for 10 consecutive and been outbid all the while. And he wowed me at the start. And I knew the crash was coming. Like, I, there was no reason to think that Pecorino was going to be 925 goalie the whole season through. He crashed to the point that he was unreliable. Like, he couldn't be trusted for a start. His numbers look really good based on what was like a 25-game run at the start of the season. And I don't think that if you're just going by last season, his numbers like are, are an accurate picture of what he's capable of. Uh, I don't have a lot of faith in him as a goalie. I think the job is up for grabs. I think this is very much a Fleury-Murray situation where you've got Saros coming up. And Saros had his own struggles too when he was presented an opportunity during Rene's struggles and he, he wasn't able to grab the bull by the horns. But I think Saros still has the potential to do that sooner rather than later. You'd rather have Scott Darling, I assume, than Pekka Rene. Yeah. Well, clearly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'd rather just have Rene. I, I, I'm more comfortable with Rene. But I, I have Rene, like, at the bottom of this tier, and I have uh, Darling at the top of my next tier. So at some point, I know the whole point of tiers is to separate the goalies who you think are, like, are in different groups. But probably once you have one guy at the bottom and one guy at the top, it's probably the difference might even be bigger or smaller than the difference between, like, the top goalie and the bottom, especially in a big tier like this. Like, I would definitely rather have Tuka Rask than Pekka Rene. All right, so... Anyways, those are our, I guess, we've gone through our tiers that included like top tier and then like second sort of nearly, but not right, not quite there. And then we had a little bit of a mix up. And then now we have our big party tier. Where we put a bunch of guys, some disagreements clearly, which I think we've been having some fun arguing about. I hope the listeners are liking hearing Brian and us argue. Once the season starts, by the way, if you're new to Keeping Carlson, generally in the show, we agree more. But obviously when you're tiering every goalie in the league, you're going to have some disagreements. I don't know, Elon. I think people would like to hear that we disagree. Well, sure. And I have my goal light with all my answers here. Okay. So I know about the goal light. I'm going to go, hold myself accountable. I'm going to go straight on to tier five. And at this point, we're not going to go in deep on we'll, we'll we'll talk about the goalies we disagree on. 
But Elon, you named four groups of goldies. So I'm counting you on tier five now. I think you need to get on tier five. Sure. Okay. My tier five, uh, Marc-Andre Fleury, Brian Elliott, Thomas Grice, Jimmy Howard, Roberto Luongo, Steve Mason, Pecorine, Mike Smith, and Corey Schneider. Now there's a mix wow. of number one goalies and one A goalies. And essentially you've got either one part below average. So like a okay goalie on a bad team or a not great goalie on an okay team. Uh, but they all have question marks and there's a challenger present. That's what unifies all the goalies in this tier. And for the ones who are in a tandem, uh, one part of them is above average, uh, either their own play or their team's play, and they're the leader in their tandem. So again, uh, now that you know that information, the number ones in this tier are Marc-Andre Fleury and Corey Schneider. And then the one A's are Brian Elliott, Thomas Grice, Jimmy Howard, Roberto Luongo, Steve Mason, Pecorine, and Mike Smith. Brian, we have another disagreement on our hands. Okay, so I think you have Marc-Andre Fleury too high. I think you have Jimmy Howard too high. And I think you have Luongo and Grice too high. So the guys who I have are Darling, Robin Leonard, Mike Smith, Antti Ranta, Steve Mason, and Brian Elliott. And I feel like all these guys are like in good situations, potentially they're starting goalies on what could be decent teams. I know Antti Ranta maybe is one of these guys that maybe his team isn't that good. Maybe you could say the same thing about Scott Darling, by the way, and Robin Leonard, but like they could be like really good goalies. They've shown to be like above 920 goalies over the past few years. So I like them in this tier. Then you have like Mike Smith, who's going to Calgary. Maybe he's not going to have as high a save percentage, but he's on like a really good team. And then Mason and Elliott, I have at the bottom of this tier, as we expect them to be starters on their teams. They could be good. They have been really good in the past, but they've also been bad. That's why I couldn't have them higher. But I definitely would want to have all of those guys I just said over like Marc-Andre Fleury. I feel like he's on a weak team. I don't think that team's going to be very good. Jimmy Howard is like, uh, we'll see if he's even the starter. And then like Grice and Luongo, I feel like are, you know, also like not potentially going to be starters. So that's how I have it separated. But I guess I guess I see where you're coming from. Okay. I never thought you would be telling me that you think I have Jimmy Howard too high. I'm finally ready to get it. Like, this is what you were trying to talk to me all of last season about. I know he's going to start the season, but actually looking like thinking about it again, I do have him too high. It's just, this is, this is where I had, this is the tier where I put my one A's and there's actually a couple starters who haven't even been mentioned yet by me. Marc-Andre Fleury though, I think he might be shortchanging. He's going to be the starting goalie. I think there's going to be a good start to the season from him. I don't think Calvin Pickard is much of a challenge for the number one job. So, and Fleury like, isn't that far removed from having solid, seasons i'm not the biggest believer in mark andre flay especially after last year i'm the first to tell you like there's a big red flag with him starting for vegas and the team that vegas has in front of him but i still think this is where he belongs maybe i would prefer Corey schneider there's no doubt about it so maybe that's a maybe you're going to tear them a little more clearly yeah, I think that Marc-Andre Fleury is like already showing that he's weak. Like he wasn't able to put up good numbers on Pittsburgh last year, who's supposed to be a good team to be a goalie for. And now he's going to this like expansion team that like who's named their third defenseman if we couldn't name the Chicago third defenseman. So I feel like Fleury's in a bad position and he's already started to concern me. Like I feel like a guy like Mike Smith, who you have in the same tier as Fleury, I feel like he's going to like what should be a really good team. Calgary made the playoffs last year. All their good young guys like Matthew Kachuk and Kajoan Monahan, they should be getting better or at least the same so I feel like that's a good team and I also think Mike Smith is at least as good a goalie like Mike Smith doesn't get the credit for having 
average numbers on a really horrible Arizona team all these years. I'm excited about Mike Smith now in Calgary a lot more than I am excited about Fleury. Mike Smith, below average save percentage over the last three years, below average even strength save percentage over the last three years, and in his most recent season could not get you a quality start in even half of the times that he was in the starter's crease. And that is why I am concerned. Like, I know he played for Arizona, but that's why we have stats like goals saved above average. And actually, okay, he actually did a little better, like just a smidge better than his peers would have, according to goals saved above average per 60 minutes. That's all I'm asking for from Mike Smith yeah, is to so, be above average on So I Calgary. guess that's what you're saying. You're saying uh, he's been he's been maligned by the team in front of him. I'm just not convinced. Like, remember, I was talking about those Tampa teams with terrible goaltending that before, during, and after Guy Boucher was there. Mike Smith was a part of that. Like, it's not new that he's been disappointing. And, and I sh- I'm sure, like, maybe he's an average goalie who has fallen below average because of the team he plays for. But I don't think he's in great shape in Calgary, especially with Eddie Lack nipping at his heels. Oh, come on. We could talk about him later. I'm not too concerned about him. Maybe maybe I'll eat my words. Finally, this will be the year that Eddie Lack rises up to the potential that you've built up for him all of this time. But I think in Calgary, actually, it's a good situation for Mike Smith. Like, their defensemen are really good. Like, as opposed to these teams where we can't even name the third defenseman, I feel like Calgary might have the best top four D in the league in Giordano, Hamilton, Brody, and Hamannick. So I think it's a good situation. They could score goals. They have good defense. They bring in Mike Smith. I'm not saying it was the best move for them, but I really like Mike Smith this year over last year. I definitely like him, like I said, over Flurry and maybe a couple of these other guys like Jimmy Howard. Definitely give me Mike Smith yeah, over Jimmy Howard no, on like the I, worst team. I was way off on Jimmy Howard. And like looking at this again, I would I would also remove... You know what? I'm going to do it right now. Howard Luongo Grace out of tier five. Gone. I don't like that. I don't know why I did that. Uh, Mason. That leaves Mason, Brian Elliott, Marc-Andre Fleury, Mike Smith, and Corey Schneider. They're in my tier five. So Elon, actually, Brian Elliott, he's someone we've glossed right over. He's sharing the crease with uh, Michael Neuverth and, the, and Anthony Stollers, or as you like to call him, Stolly the goalie. <laughs> do you have any? Do you have faith that he can take the job? Does, what, what are your odds that he sees more than 45 starts next year i mean i'm pretty confident like i think that brian like last year in philly it went so badly like going into the year a lot of people thought neuverth was a strong challenger for that job and i think the coaching staff and everyone said they're going to let both goalies play and see who can earn it and it went so horribly wrong and every time steve mason struggled they put neuverth in and neuverth like just couldn't rise to the occasion like i feel like he was given an audition and he failed like he can't be the number one goalie on philly and And then they signed him for three years sorry to interrupt but like you're you're right that's exactly what happened and philly was like yep Sounds good. And then, mm-hmm. and then, and then one with him. Yeah. Well, so maybe they signed him to have a good backup goalie. I was, I think, I don't know. My gut says that Elliot's going to be the starting goalie to start the year. And then it's really up to Brian Elliott. Like, I think this is one of these situations where, you know, sometimes you're worried that, oh, the team might want to give the other goalie a chance. So it's not going to be fair. I feel like Brian Elliott, if he plays well, I think he's going to be the starter. Philly needs a goalie that they could rely on. They've like never had it. Elliot can be really amazing. As we saw two years ago, and he put up a 930 save percentage in St. Louis, he could also be horrible, like he was most of the year in Calgary last year. I think probably he won't be that great. Like, I feel like Philly's in for another long, annoying year of goalies disappointing them. But I think that Elliot at least is the starter, and I would bet that he gets over 45 starts. Hopefully he could just do something good with it. I think if he plays well, I think they for sure won't mess with him like they did with Steve Mason. Like, they must have learned. Yeah, no, I... I 
he definitely, like, especially with the way the playoffs ended for Calgary last year, uh, what happened to Brian Elliott seemed unfair. Uh, like, he still has slightly above average numbers over the last three years. Uh, last season just was not a very good one for him for single season numbers uh, compared to, like, the goal saved above average numbers uh, just slightly below what Piers would have done in the same situation. Had a really decent quality starts percentage, though, up at 58%. And I think that I think he can offer that in Philadelphia. But you know what I think has to happen first is a coaching change. So I'm a little concerned at how the start of the season looks for him. But I think Michael Norworth is in such competition. Like if you have Brian Elliott and he starts even two out of every three games and is able to put up, you know, league average most nights and 920s occasionally, I think that's a win. Yeah, basically this tier that I had, Darling, Leonard, Smith, Ranta, Mason, Elliot. I have Elliot at the bottom of that tier. So it's sort of like, and then I have Flurry at the top of my next tier. So all, for all I said about Flurry, I have him like in this next tier of guys. If we want to move on to that now, this tier I have as like average goalies and or injury prone goalies on weak teams. So like still starting goalies. This is my last year that has starting goalies, but like the bottom of the barrel in terms of the team or the goalie in terms of like just injury proneness. So I have Flurry there. Varlamov, Jimmy Howard, and then I put Jacob Markstrom at the bottom there because I think yeah. he's the starting goalie in sort Vancouver. Of. We'll see. Like uh, Going into the season, he probably will be, but Nilsson could easily take the job, and you'll see later on I'll have Nilsson as one of my potential good backup goalies in terms of at least for games played. But yeah, so this year, yeah, I have Elliott at the bottom of the last one of, I think, like intriguing number one goalies in new situations that could be good, but maybe not. And then I have this like tier, my tier five, I guess we're calling it tier six now, Fleury, Varlamov, Howard, Markstrom. I'd be equally confident in all of them. Like, I feel like they're all guys that could, maybe not as much Markstrom, but I guess you, you never know because we haven't seen him be a number one yet. So he kind of falls into that Scott Darling or Anti Ranta, except hasn't been as good as a backup. So, you know, lower, but like maybe something could happen once he's a starter, he gets into a rhythm. I like Jimmy Howard. Like, I think that he could be decent. I don't, I'm not so confident that Mrazek's going to steal the job from him. Like, I think that they've made it pretty clear that they don't want to have anything to do with Mrazek. I guess if he plays better, if Jimmy Howard plays poorly, they'll have no choice. And if Jimmy Howard gets injured, which is also pretty likely, they'll have to give Mrazek the net again. But I feel like Howard, Varlamov, and Fleury are all pretty much the same to me. Like Varlamov, you know, he's had stretches where he's been really, really good. And then he's been like horrible and he's on a horrible team and he's injury prone. So like, this hopefully is like your third goalie. Either way, I'd say on your team. We should just like reset that now. When we're talking about Fleury, Varlamov, Howard, and Markstrom, you don't want this as your top two goalies. You don't want these as guys you're depending on unless you just want games played, in which case maybe Marc-Andre Fleury could be valuable to you, like raw saves. Yeah, or Varlamov. I think he's less contested as a starter this year. Oh, Bernier's there. Okay, true. Uh, I guess I still, maybe. I mean, I guess it depends on just how low Varlamov can go. Uh, I still, like, I I can't say enough how much I disagree on you about Flurry. Like, I think the upside of Flurry is a little more likely than guys like Markstrom, Howard, and Varlamov. I also included with Markstrom, Howard, and Varlamov, goalies who I thought who were in tandems had a good shot to challenge and had, like, at least one thing going for them. Guys like Peter Mrazek, who I think is the still the better goalie in Detroit. Last year he was tier five Mrazek. This year he's tier six Mrazek. But it's not like because I value I value him about the same as last year. In fact, I might have liked him more 
going into last year. It's just uh, we've we've separated the goalies. We've divided them in a bit of a different way. I've also got Yaroslav Halak and Thomas Grace in the tier because I have no idea which of them is going to step up for the Islanders. Uh, I've got Connor Hellebuck because, hey, Steve Mason's inconsistent. And Hellebuck, nah, time is running out. Like, he needs to make a move. What he's done so far is concerning. And the fact that he is a career 9, 10, 82 games into his NHL career, that's that's concerning. Like I said, Scott Darling is 923 in just a few fewer games. So ugh. like, I don't want to go there yet and say Connor Hellebuck might not be an NHL average goalie. It was really hard to play net for the Jets last year. So we'll give them that and we'll hope that they've sorted things out enough and that Steve Mason is, I don't know, maybe they work well together. Uh, I also have James Reimer and UC Saros and Aaron Dell in there and there's, wow. there's our there's our frozen reference as guys who have a legitimate shot to challenge before the 30 game mark you look at roberto luongo who i also have in this tier i feel like elon the tiers are sort of shot at this point like we're better off just showing how we've ranked them we can just talk about goalies one at a time in chunks uh luongo had a 924 penalty kill save percentage last year and even with that did not have excellent numbers on the season yeah, just a 9.15 all-situation save percentage. Uh, so, yeah, I'd be pretty concerned about what he turns in this year, which is why I think Reimer's got a good shot at taking the job quickly. Uh, Saros, I've already said, you know, I think it's just going to take one Rene stumble. I think the Predators have enjoyed what Rene's done for them, but looking to the future, uh, despite what he's getting paid, it, now's the time to start getting Saros's reps. If they win a cup or contend for the cup again, I think he's going to be the one who has to be in net, or at least it's not going to be Rene. I don't know that Rene can win a Stanley Cup with Nashville. So it's time to find out if Saros can do that. And I also uh, have mentioned my reservations about Martin Jones, which is why I have Aaron Dell up here too, as a guy who's like, you know, you might think he's a clear number two, but after the last two seasons with Martin Jones, I could totally see the Sharks going into camp saying the number one job is up for grabs even as just like a motivating tactic for Martin Jones, whether that works or not is another question. But I could also see them sincerely meaning it. There's no reason after Aaron Dale's fantastic outings last year that he should be just looked over automatically. Okay, yeah, this is a very interesting tier. You definitely went in a different direction. So you sort of, I'm looking at it now. Uh, you've got like Markstrom and Varlamov at the top, which which are guys who we expect to be starters. And then you go all and then you all go all the way down to like guys like Aaron Dell and UC Saros. You see as I guess high end backups, and you see them as in the same tier. I think at this point it's almost like depends what you're looking for for your team. Like if, yeah. at this point in the draft, you need guys who are going to start games. You need to get a starting goalie and like a reliable starting goalie, someone like a Varlamov. Though I don't know how reliable he is, he is since he could get injured. But yeah, right. or but if you're just looking for someone who you're going to play once in a while, like you know, like sometimes a good backup goalie like Aaron Dell was last year or Grubauer. Wait, you don't have you have Aaron Dell here, but not Grubauer. I guess just because you think Aaron Dell could steal the job more likely. Yeah, exactly. I think Grubauer could put up quality starts like in, to the same extent, but there's less opportunity for him to get them. Yeah, that's fair. But yeah, so a goalie like that, that you could have on your team and every time he plays, you could slot him in. Like someone like Grubauer last year was like better than a lot of the goalies ranked higher because like when he played, it was like a really good shot that he would have a win and he would have a really good save percentage. But the thing is holding him on your team and so many days of having him not playing. But it's nice to have a guy. If you could fit that guy in your roster that every time he does play, you'd put him in over even your other goalies. That's good. But yeah, so I just sort of split these guys up, but I agree with you that you could maybe rank them differently depending 
depending on what you're looking for. So again, like this tier, so remember my last tier, I said I had like Flurry, Varlamov, Howard, and Markstrom, which were sort of my, my bottom level starters. And you say Flurry is a higher level starter. I disagree. Then my next tier. No, I don't. Tier. Hang on. I don't say he's a higher level starter. I think he's higher than those guys. Yeah, that's what I meant. Higher than okay. those guys. Right. Then my next tier, I put together these guys who are on tandems where one of them could break out and end up being the starter and being good. So that's like basically the two situations, Florida and the Islanders, like Luongo and Reimer and then Grice and Halak. I could see both of those situations going either way. If I were to bet on it now, I think Reimer is going to be the starter in Florida. I'm going to bank on him playing more games than Luongo. It already started happening last year. I learned my lesson from Murray and Flurry from the year before. I feel like it's already started happening. Luongo's not getting any younger. Reimer's still like only 29 or whatever. So I feel like it's time for him to take that job and Luongo to go into the sunset as the backup. And then like Grice and Halak, if I had to pick one, I think it's going to be Grice. I guess that one's like really close because Halak came in at the end of last year and actually did pretty well. So I feel like that could really be a 50-50 thing. It's really going to depend. Did you say who you think is going to be better or who's going to like, you know, play more games between Grice and Halak? No, I have no idea. Especially with the coaching change before, I would have said definitely Grice. I still have an inkling it's going to be Grice, but uh, but it, honestly, I feel like it could easily be like 41 games each. Okay, and then so then for my next tier, is that this is where I get into my like high end backups. Like I have three basically tiers left. I have high end backups, like backup goalies that I think could like put up really good numbers or like play like a lot of games and would be worth potentially drafting depending how deep your league is. Then I have a tier of backups who I think could play a decent number of games. And then I have like just low value backups and i for all of these brian i don't know how useful this is i took down how many back-to-backs their teams play for all of my backups because that's actually a big part in fantasy strategy because oftentimes an nhl team when they're playing two days in a row they're going to play the starter one game and the backup the other game to let the starting goalie rest so a team that plays more back-to-backs their backup goalie has a better chance of playing more games. And looking at the schedule for next season, the highest number of back-to-backs is 19 Ottawa Senators. So Mike Condon might be someone, even if you think Craig Anderson is like his job, which I agree with, like it's his job. Condon's not going to steal the job. That's like 19 games, especially since Anderson's so old. That's like 19 games that Condon's almost for sure going to play and then maybe throw in a couple others. So he could have a decent number of games just because of these 19 back-to-backs. And it could go as low as like only 11 back-to-backs. Like Jonathan Bernier on Colorado, UC Saros on Nashville. Both of them only have 11 back-to-back opportunities, though those are both goalies that can steal their job. So maybe it won't even matter. But okay, that's just setting the table for what I have here. So now you can let me know where you disagree. So first, my like potential high-end backup goal is you've already named some of these guys in your previous tier, but you didn't mention this guy. I think Ryan Miller, even though I was high on Gibson above, I still think Ryan Miller is a good high-end backup goalie to draft. Uh, actually, Anaheim only plays 11 back-to-backs. So they're also like low. So in that sense, he's not great. But on the other hand, I think Gibson has been injury-prone. So I feel like Anaheim would be smart to rest him more often and let Ryan Miller play more since they did sign like this guy who was a former number one goalie for all these years. So why not give Ryan Miller some games? And then I have Hellebuck, who you already said, UC Saros, who you already said, Peter Morazic, who I consider to be a high-end backup that could steal the job from Howard or just wait till Howard gets injured. By the way, oh, uh, Winnipeg actually has nine back-to-backs. So they're even lower than those other teams. So it, Steve Mason could have the job and play a bunch of games. Halibut's going to have to earn those starts with only nine back-to-backs. Anyways, then I have Aaron Dell and Philip Grubauer rounding out that list. Yeah, okay. So I have Grubauer. Uh, yeah, Grubauer and Miller, I agree with you. I, I, In fact, I obviously think a little more of Miller than you do because of how we disagree on Gibson. 
and then uh, I don't know. We're overlapping tiers now. So my tier seven with Grubauer and Miller is Michael Neuverth, uh, Eddie Lack, Andre Pavlik. Andre Pavlik. I'm just gonna say this could be his best season coming up, and not for I mean, wins, but for save no, percentage. You're saying no for save percentage. Like he'll be on probably the best team he's had the chance to play for. Like this is a guy who's been stuck in Atlanta and Winnipeg uh, for his whole career. Not to say that's the worst thing ever, but I mean, we've seen how Winnipeg goalies have fared over the last several years. This is a chance for him to prove that given the right amounts of support and talent in front of him, he can succeed. And he's going to have, I think, an important job this year in being able to spell Lundqvist. And like, remember last year, Antti Ranta was able to briefly steal the job and people were wondering, oh, is it, is it over? Like, is Antti Ranta just going to be the number one? And it was a dumb question because we all knew it wasn't going to happen like that in the middle of the season. It's also not going to happen this season, but I could see Andre Pavlik sneaking to 30, 35 games. Like he could get you at least a start. I don't know. I would hope a start a week. And then from there, if he gets the, the right support, we have, was it Nick Mercadante, Elon, who we thought, uh, or who thought that, Pavlik is better than anyone gives him credit for. I mean, I, I've been frustrated with him for years, but I think this is a chance where he can succeed. I also have Anders Nilsson in there. I don't know. My, my tears are, are getting pretty messy. Like, I think it would be good if people listening uh, check out how we had them listed. Uh, but these are backups who, you know, could succeed in one way, either with save percentage or uh, the occasional win. Nilsson, of course, would do it by save percentage, playing with Vancouver. And then I have... Uh, well, Calvin Pickard, Jonathan Bernier, and Chad Johnson, and they're just in there. I don't even know why they're in there. They should probably be in the next tier. Yeah, like you have them in the same tier as Philip Grubauer. That's insane. Yeah, no, that's ridiculous. They're, I've moved them down. Okay, right, yeah. So, you know, after my tier of these high-end backup goalies, which, where, again, I had Miller, Hellebuck, Saros, Morazic, Dell, and Grubauer, and again, just like you, some of them, I think, because they just have a good chance for save percentage, even though they won't steal the job, some of them actually have a chance to steal the job, like Hellebuck and UC Saros, like we've said, maybe Aaron Dell. But I think Aaron Dell's even a high-end backup goalie to own, even if he doesn't steal the job, like he was last year anyway, so we'll see if he could do it again. So then I go into my tier now of just, like, backup goalies with game played upside like I don't think they're going to steal the job I don't think they're going to get like a ton of games but I think they could get more games than my lowest guys who I wouldn't even consider so here I have and I'll tell you the back-to-backs as I go so Calvin Pickard who you mentioned that you just moved down Anders Nilsson only 10 back-to-backs so really if someone could earn that job in Vancouver maybe the backup won't play much but also like who could really know maybe it's a coin flip even between Markstrom and Nilsson I'd go Markstrom though but Nilsson could be potentially a backup with some game played upside Uh, Carter Hutton Lots of back-to-backs, and we saw him get starts last year. I don't think he'll steal the job. Chad Johnson, same thing, 16 back-to-backs. For those of you who don't know, he's now going to be the backup on Buffalo, backing up Robin Leonard, who I think it's Leonard's job for sure, but Chad Johnson had good runs. He also had horrible runs in Calgary, and he couldn't hold on to that number one job, but for a while he stole it. So remember him. Also, Leonard sometimes gets injured, so Johnson could have stretches. Make sure to grab him if Leonard gets injured, if we're seeing that Buffalo is a team that you want a goalie on, I guess. Cam Ward, we have to say... I know we hate him and we know he's going to give you a bad save percentage. Maybe as a backup goalie, he could be better. Maybe this is a Pavlik situation where when he's not the starter, if he could just rest, only play once in a while. I don't know. This we, don't, totally... we don't even know that about Pavlik, though. We don't know that he'd be better as a backup. Yeah, we don't know. And neither as Cam Ward. I'm just saying like it's speculation here, complete speculation. Maybe Cam Ward can do better now that Darling plays the larger majority of games. 18 back-to-backs for Cam Ward, which is very high. 
That's like second highest in the league. So there's going to be opportunity for Cam Ward to play for sure. Jonathan Bernier, I feel like it could be a high-end backup in terms of games played, but he's going to be on like a horrible team. But, you know, Varlamov's going to get injured probably at some point, and Bernier's going to play some games. Hang on. Sorry, I'm going to step in. You think Bernier sure. can be a high-end backup? Sorry, I meant to say a backup with game-played upside, I guess. Okay. What I mean. My yeah, second tier of backups. Because if he gets in there, I think there's a really great chance he just posts, like, on average, 900 save percentage. Yeah, that's true. He did do pretty well last year when Gibson got injured at the end of the year and Bernier came in and was serviceable yeah. and got some wins. He had, he had a surprisingly reasonable year, but I don't, uh, I, I'm not, like, a believer. I, I don't know. I think league average is where he tops out, and even that could still be wishful thinking, especially playing for Colorado. Yeah, so we'll have to see also if Colorado could not be a complete dumpster fire. If they are, then you just don't want any of their games, probably. Uh, I'll just keep going. Uh, Corpusalo. So again, this is like, I'm still not 100% sold that Bobrovsky, like I have in my tier two, don't get me wrong, but it's just two seasons ago that Corpusalo was stealing starts when Bob came back from injury and couldn't get on a roll. So could happen again. Like now Bobrovsky's two years older. Maybe he gets injured. And then maybe when he comes back, he can't get his game going again. And it's a repeat of 2015-16. And Corpus Allo's the guy there. Now that Anton Forsberg is over on Chicago, there's no competition for that backup spot. Anyways, I'm putting Mike Condon here. Like I said, just because of all those back-to-backs. Okay, then I've got Pavlik in this list for the reasons you've said. Michael Neuwirth, this is where I put him not in the tier with Grubauer. I have him in this tier because, yeah, he can get games because we don't know if Elliot's going to be able to do it. And then I have uh, Anton Forsberg and Peter Budai sort of at the very bottom. Maybe they should even be in just my low value, forget about him backups. But I just feel like Forsberg, we don't know. Like Maybe he could be good. Chicago is a place where backups have been good before. And they have 17 back-to-backs, which is pretty high. So he's going to have a lot of opportunities to play. Then Peter Budai was good last year, but I mean, come on. And he doesn't even have a lot of back-to-backs. Yeah, so I have have two groups of goalies left. The first are just like on the very edge of fantasy relevance. Like maybe you want to stream them if they get starts. Uh, They're very unlikely to challenge. They could be okay when they do get in the net, but uh, nothing you can bet on. Uh, Elon, you've already mentioned a bunch, bunch of them, so I'll just run through them quickly. You've got Laurent Brossois. You've got Laurent Brossois. You've got Laurent Brossois. I'm not editing right. that, by the way. Oh, <laughs> over in, in Edmonton, so if he starts, eh, okay chance to win. Mike Condon. Elon, like, I'm not a big Mike Condon fan. Uh, he played very well in Craig Anderson's absence, but to nothing more than a league average goalie. Remember when Carey Price was injured and he played really well for like three weeks and then tanked? That's the Mike Condon that I, I believe in more than anyone you can depend on reliably. Uh, and then we'll go Carter Hutton. Uh, if Jake Allen stumbles, I don't, I don't think Carter Hutton's capable of taking the job, but he's capable of like playing a little more often if Jake Allen isn't so solid. Uh, Eunice Carposello, I agree with you. He's probably... I don't know. I don't know if I'm ready to go out there and say it, but I'm, I'm going to. The best number two goalie in the league. Actually, I'll give that to Philip Grubauer. But aside from Grubauer, he is the one who is uh, who I'd have the most faith in right now in an entrenched number two role to step up into a number one. Uh, Anthony Solars, even though he's like a number three. Uh, Peter Budai, Jared Carreau, also a number three who could get in there. Uh, did last year somehow, uh, well, with injuries, I guess. Keith Kincaid, Al Montoya, Nicholas Svedberg. And then I have Calvin Pickard, Jonathan Bernier, and Chad Johnson. It's really a mishmash. And then my last tier, Elon, I'm just going to jump right to them. Uh, tier nine 
these are like, don't touch, like don't even bother unless you're desperate for saves. Uh, Antti Niemi, Alex Salak, Anton Kudobin, Louis Domingue, Darcy Kemper, Kerry Lettinen, Curtis McElhaney, and Cam Ward. And I'll, the only guy I'll expand on there is, is Anton Kudobin because there's been times we thought, or at least I thought, when he went to Anaheim that he'd have a shot at challenging for starts. He just hasn't been good since the first time he left Boston. So maybe it's good that he's back there, but I don't think he has really established himself. We also thought he could establish himself in Carolina when he had a quick turn there, but he's had opportunities that he hasn't capitalized on and he really hasn't shown much to follow up on any early promise that we did think was there. So he's now, yeah, he's on my do not touch list. I think one guy who some people might be interested in that I think we have to warn them or reiterate that they should stay away, at least in my opinion, is a guy who actually a namesake of one of our new patrons, uh, Antti Niemi, because he went to he went to Pittsburgh. And I think a lot of people might be thinking, oh, well, now he's the backup on Pittsburgh. That's a good situation. Pittsburgh is going to get a lot of wins like Murray can't play every game, especially as a young goalie. And Niemi is a nice veteran who can stave Murray when he's tired and he could come in and be decent. But like Niemi is so far removed from that reliable good goalie he was like, I guess like three, four years ago when he, he was a 924 goalie one year, 2012, 13 in San Jose. And then after that 913, 914, and then 905. And then last year, 892, just brutal. And I've been hearing some other people talking about him as like, he seems slow. He's 34 years old. He's like, isn't that good anymore? I wouldn't even be surprised if Niemi doesn't last the season as the backup in Pittsburgh. I don't know if that's a bold claim. I don't think it's such a bold claim. I like that. Not that there's really any alternative. I guess Tristan Jari is next on the depth chart, but uh, like someone who steps in for Matt Murray needs to be able to stop pucks. It's probably a good place for Niemi to go and end his career. It's been really rough in Dallas. Not all his own fault, but he certainly deserves his fair share of the blame. Yeah, I would definitely, comparing the two guys who were the Dallas tandem for much of last year, I would definitely have Kerry Lettinen over Antony Niemi, even though I have Lettinen in this low-value backup spot. But at the same time, actually, maybe I would actually move him to the spot above because Ben Bishop has also been the kind of goalie that hasn't really shown himself to be able to be consistent for long stretches, except for that one amazing year two years ago. But he's up and down. We don't know for sure if Bishop is going to be great in Dallas. Like He really struggled at times on Tampa last year. And if they have to go to Lettinen as the backup, maybe this is like the same as what I was saying about Cam Ward or about Pavlik, maybe as a backup who doesn't play much, he could be okay. The last year, Lettinen didn't play as much since Niemi was there and he was still brutal. For what it's worth, I take Lettinen over Niemi. Now that's how you know we're scratching the bottom of the barrel. So maybe this is where we should call it, Brian. Yeah, well, just for completion's sake, I have two other names on my list, not in the picture, not even tiered. Jean-Francois Berube and Linus Allmark. Just going to say their names. For just for fun? Just because we try and talk about every goalie who could possibly see a minute of NHL ice time this year. I mean, I could also say like Eric Comrie and Phoenix Copley and Thatcher Demko. I guess I just did. Okay, so this has been fun. This is one of our longer shows, but I guess worthwhile because it was Schwartz Goalies book. I really hope you guys enjoyed the show. This is uh, an episode we always get excited about every year and Brian does a ton of research and then I come in and just like poop on it for no reason. Like I haven't done any of this research and yet I'm telling him he's wrong about his tears, but I'm still pretty confident. I think my goal light is going to be a more correct projection, but no, I think either way, I think, I think we're in agreement on most things. And for those of you who enjoyed listening or just want to go back and get those goalie tears, if it went by too fast, you check out keepingcarlson.com slash goalies and it'll link 
to both of our tiers if you want to see it. And obviously, you could tweet at us at Keeping Carlson if you have follow-up questions, if you want to tell us how dumb we are for putting, I don't know, Matt Murray in elite tier one or not. We'd love to hear it. So tweet at us at Keeping Carlson. Also, we'd, of course, love a five-star review on iTunes if you would be so kind. And hey, it's the start of the season. We're starting to go weekly starting today. So next week, we're going to have another episode. So subscribe to us on iTunes. Do whatever you need to do to make sure you're getting every episode of Keeping Carlson as we help you get ready for your upcoming fantasy hockey draft, which may include your fantasy hockey draft on October 1st at 1 p.m. Eastern time, your Cacupful draft, which you can join and have a great time in. So like I said, one last time, the Cacupful sign-up deadline is September 8th, which is this Friday, and you can get information on how to sign up to be a patron and to get into the Cacupful at keepingcarlson.com slash patron. With that, Brian, let's cue the outro music! Now why don't you go ahead and read us the credits. This episode of the Keeping Carlson Fantasy Hockey Podcast was presented by Dauber Hockey and supported by our patrons. Thank you to all of you who have joined us recently. And of course, we encourage you, if it sounds fun to you to compete against the best bullies in the world, head on over to keepingcarlson.com slash patron to get all kinds of other perks. This episode was researched with help from Rob Volman's Super Stat Sheet, which you can find over at hockeyabstract.com. Nick Mercadante, Ian Fleming, they both just have stats out there on the internet and through direct message that they were offering up for us. Left Wing Lock, Frozen Pool, Korska Hockey. Did I say Dauber Hockey? Hockey Analysis. No, that doesn't exist anymore. You Get out of my credits. Same with you, Korska. <laughs> well, when you come back. Uh, hockey Reference, Hockey Database, Elite Prospects, Roto World, and Fantrax. Great job, as always, Brian. Look at all the research he did. So many references. Uh, and we hope you guys enjoyed the show. We'll be back at you with our next uh, preseason episode next Sunday, 7 p.m. Keepingcarlson.com slash live. Check it out. Until then, keep on keeping Carlson. <laughs>